Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Total 90 Premier League Podcast. This is your favorite time of the week. This is my favorite time of the week. And I am Nick Brown, Frowny Brown from Frowny Brown Town. Week four is in the books and Frank DeBoer is out of the books as Crystal Palace manager is the first man sacked. We have Manchester City going against Liverpool with a 5 0 thrashing with Nane getting sent off. Man United finds Stoke on a warm afternoon, the toughest of all battles. And of course, we will have Facebook's finest and we'll talk Champions League and look ahead to week five of the Premier League season. And of course, I am never alone. I am joined by the most happy of Liverpool supporters this week, Mickey Kennedy, what what a difference seven days can make. Yeah, well, I feel like we're saying this every single week. Because, <laughs> like, is it, is it not just like, I have a really good week, you have a bad week, you have a really good week, I have a bad week. Um, I'm really chirpy today. Yeah, oh, I wonder why. Um, I just love to go through a few things first, Nick. Oh, shit, you were going to go straight into it. Go I on. want to go straight into it, all right, because... We don't have enough time today. I think we got so much on the plate, so many issues. Starting with uh, Frank De Boer. Yes. Um, I want to give you a little uh, statistic of the la- the the uh, sorry the five managers with the least amount of time in charge. Okay, give it to at me. number five. Sammy Lee, eleven games in two thousand seven for Bolton Wanderers. Guess who is he? Sorry, he's. Frank De Boer's assistant at Palace. So what a record them two have got. Um, Number four, Yakis Santini in 2004, 11 games, 155 days. Um, Bob Bradley, 11 games, 84 days for Swansea. Les Reed, uh, 40 days, which is the lowest. Seven games for Charlton Athletic, which leads us to our number one, which is Frank De Boer. Uh, four games, uh, 77 days in total. Funny stat is it's nearly, um, the number two is nearly double of what Frank DeBoer got. What do you think, Nick? Tell me what you think, honestly. Uh, this is um, this is huge. I know I know you wanted to get straight into it. I know you're very, very excited to talk about this. I you have to rang, talk about something other than Liverpool. You moment. rang me up last night, even though I tagged you in about five different things, saying, Nick, Nick, Frank DeBoer's been sacked. I, I know, Mickey. I don't, I'm not an idiot. I, yep, I told you just I last did. week that it was going to happen. And you were like, no, 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 this is breaking news. I, actually, no. You. If you look at the podcast, if you listen to the podcast last week, I said in the predictions it would be Frank DeBoer's last you game. You did say that. Yeah, after I said everything I said. But uh, this is pretty crazy at the end of it isn't it um you know the the front runner to replace is Roy Hodgson um I've heard that Ben Teke will be taking corners once Roy takes over <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. but, but what, what do we think of that what how harsh is this in terms of you know he's been done he got done in Inter after about 80 days wasn't it yeah I think it was 85 days exactly. um it is incredibly harsh four games into the season um obviously they're looking at this at the moment thinking, you know, if he loses another four games, they're going to be in the relegation battle for at least six months at best. Yes. Um, four games is really not enough, I don't think. I think it's, inc- yeah, incredibly harsh. Does it does does it this do his reputation any harm now from about how little time he got? Because, you know, I think a lot of people will be thinking he's so highly done by does it put a tarnish on his reputation? I think it does a little bit, but at the same time, it saves him. If he stays another five games, loses another five games, his reputation's shot. Well, I just want to run through what the uh, Crystal Palace's next uh, four games are at least. They've got Southampton at home, then they go to City away, yep. then they go United away, yep. and then they've got Chelsea at home. So, so there's a real possibility besides the Southampton game that they would lose all four or five. Exactly. And if Roy Hodgson is the man who takes over, like I 
feel very bad for him having to come into that kind of situation. Yep. I guess it's a lot, you know, Crystal Palace are now officially the only team who hasn't scored this season, yeah. um, which is ridiculous considering the uh, the two-yard header that they missed on the weekend and considering Beteke missing against Liverpool. Well, that, and exactly right. And that changes the whole complex of the season. You know, like they get draws out of those games. You got two points. They're off the mark. Frank DeBoer's got probably another five games, I reckon, at least. You'd think he'd have five games regardless, wouldn't you? Like four games to sack a manager is just like... Criminal. Yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. And I guess... You know, as you were, you know, you've mentioned this a couple of times, it's almost like he was trying to implement a style that was far superior to what Crystal Palace were capable yep. of. Yep. Um, do you think that that is one of the main reasons he's gone? Oh, 100%. I think that he was probably, you know, trying to play something that wasn't, a, like, the ability that the players he had, it probably wasn't, you know, possible. Um, you know, with Wilford Saha injured and, and kind of players that probably could... Probably his, his best player, not only on the pitch, you know, found it very hard. And to be honest, you know, Benteke's form is pretty poor. You know, they're missing they're missing goals from the six yard box. Like, it's just not nothing's going right for Palace at the moment. And you know, it's it's you, unfortunately the board's the man to go. But will the you know will will they still be in this kind of form? I reckon they will be, and and they'll find out pretty soon that it didn't really matter that Frank the ball had gone. They've still got the same problems. Well, something that like I thought's very harsh is you know if you look at the goal that um, Burnley scored on the weekend, which was a literal back pass, back pass which is horrible. Yeah. Great finish by Wood, of course, but another good finish. By yeah, him. another one. It's the second in a row. That was a really well taken shot as well, again. But you know how much can you blame that on De Boer? Like, is maybe. Maybe you could say that he wouldn't be passing back under another person's system, but that's just a simple. Just, yeah, that's, that's just, just poor cra- play. Madness, really, and how can it? you blame him for missing a he- like header from two yards out? That's not him doing it. Like, you know, there's only so much blame you can give, and I understand that if you're going to have a choice between getting rid of a whole team and a manager, you're going to get rid of the manager, of course. But yep. you know, this it just seems like this is so harsh for somebody who you know, like at the start when they signed him, they were very, very happy very, on, they were very, very high yeah. on. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And, like, these are childish errors, you know, schoolboy errors that have really, in the end, have cost him his job. Um, you know, he's got an unwanted, you know, record in the history books now. Like, four games, man. Four games. Like, literally. I know they haven't scored, they haven't won a game, but it's just beyond ridiculous. And it just shows how harsh the, the Premier League world is these days. Do you think, how much of it do you think has to do with like the, I guess the relationships with the board and the relationship with the higher up? Because you, I can't imagine if he was uh, getting along with everybody and at least putting in good words and that, that he would be sacked this early. I feel like something else has to be yeah, play here. And unfortunately we'll never know the truth. I don't think, you know, they're, they're pretty uptight um, and keeping it quiet up, upstairs these days. Um, you know, Obviously, something's gone wrong. And the thing is, too, like, it's not like they've had a guy... Like, they've got Roy Hodgson that's probably lined up to be the next guy. He's the bookie's favourite. Um, they did call Big Sam. Everybody wants Big Sam. But he said he was enjoying life too much at the moment. <laughs> so that, you know, my my other prediction is kind of sitting in the in the, in the the wind there. But That'll happen. Obviously, it's tried to happen, so I'm yeah. pretty happy on that one. But um, it's just... Like, who are they... Like, even if they do replace him with Roy Hodgson, his last two jobs have been pretty, you know, undersatisfactory to say the least. He had a terrible time with England. <laughs> not not much better time at Liverpool. Um, you know, the, 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 is this the guy who's going to take them forward? 
probably he, he could, but he could. He's, he's done he's done a wonderful job at some clubs like West Brom and I think Bolton. Oh, not Bolton. Fulham was the yeah, other Fulham, one. Fulham. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. This is something that you know. He is an experienced guy. He has um. He has experience in the top flight, of course. I'm not sure, like, you know, a lot of times I feel like when managers get sacked, they just bring in the, um, basically the most experienced guy for the job instead of taking a real risk. I don't think Hodgson is a risk at all. Yeah. Um, any manager... But at the same time, they took the risk at the ball in the first place and of got course. proven wrong. So it's probably why they've and taken a safe bet. Any, any um, new manager to, like, reinvigorate a side is always going to make them play better because everybody feels like they're playing for their spot again. It's just yeah. like, it's, some, it's, it's like, such a mental game it's when such that happens. A, and it's such a predictable thing that happens when they get a new manager in. Like I don't know about you, but it always they always seem just to kick on a gear when they get yeah. a new manager. And it's like, like that token time of the year where you know, not obviously not this time. Of the yeah, year this normally, is different. But it's normally a little bit further down the track where they get a new manager, and all of a sudden that manager drags them out of the relegation zone, and, and they become they become forced, and they become and they start playing really well, and then all of a sudden it's like a it's like a big loop, and you know this time next year they find themselves in the same spot. And then that manager gets sacked, and then someone else comes in, and the same thing happens. Um, obviously, this is not the case after four games, but <laughs> I, f- I feel like this is this is it's just madness. I think if you um, so just you know, we did our predictions at the start of the season. If you had to redo your predictions, would Crystal Palace be in your relegation zone? Yes, hundred percent. Yep. Is that without uh, even with the manager change? Yep. No, no you- conditions now. Um, you know, you look at their next four. And you look at all four or five games. They could, they could go ten games at beaten. Yeah, I know. This is um, they could really do what like um, Sunderland did, and you know, yep. basically rule themselves out. Well, it's it's starting to happen that way, isn't it? Where there's a team a year that, that falls into that category and become almost like a joke, which is very sad. Um, I don't like teams being in that position because you know the respect for the club goes, and and they forget that they are playing in England's top flight. Like there's so many teams in England, and they're playing in the best league that they can. You know competing and they're they're known as a, a pushover club well well you know if they played any other team in any other league in the country then they'd probably get, you know pull their pants down but that unfortunately you know they're playing the best one all the eyes are on them and at the moment they look like they're struggling big time the thing is with crystal palace at the moment is it's not like they've had a hard draw you know they played liverpool which is a hard game they opened up with huddlesfield at home which yeah, you would been you would feel like would be a win most days of the week they played swansea at home got done by them and now they've come off this one Burnley away, like three out of the four, I would say before the season started, were winnable very games. winnable games. And you'd you'd almost mark down for at least a point a game. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you look on like Palace's team on paper, they actually have a decent side. You know, you've got Sako and that at the back. Um, they've got Wilfred Saha. They've got Christian Peteco. Who hasn't the... been playing Zaha at the moment. Yeah, well, he hasn't been playing at the moment. But you still like, the team doesn't rely on one player. Um, he is their best player by far at the moment. It's, it looks like oh, by an absolute mile, and then you got like blokes like I think Kabai is still there, isn't he? Yep. And you know, and then you got uh, what's his name, Fozzie Menzo, yeah, uh, yeah. I think from United. Yep. So they they got young talent. They got you know players that have done it all. You know, you, uh, like Mohamed Zaka is a great defender. I reckon he's a quality. Um, you know, like if you look on paper, they've got some really good players there, and unfortunately, one way or another, it just hasn't clicked, or you know, something's happened, or. You know, obviously, divorce tactics might not be the best ones, but we're going to find out where they are aren't they, in the next few weeks, no matter who they sign. And we'll know after, you know, three or four games. And it, and we can tell even against the big teams, I think, you know, Ooh. with, no, nah, but like, there's a way a team can play. You know, they can play with yeah, a bit of, of fight. They can play with, you know, a bit of passion. And, and then, you know, the link up play, like when they are, you know, going for an attack, 
you'll probably be able to see the difference. So we'll know in the next three, four games whether it was Frank the ball or whether it was his team just not giving him anything. Exactly. And I think that um, you know, if you looked at uh, the Liverpool-Crystal Palace game, they weren't disgraced at all. No, like, that, exactly that's their right. hardest game. It looks like that's where they really tried to put in the biggest effort. And that that was a game where, you know, I, we, we saw it. One one yeah. um, better shot from Benteke, one put it in the back of the net, and it's a draw. At least a draw. And you know, it's something that you know, has been kind of the story of this season so far. Luckily, we're only four games in. If this was if this was a case in you know, 10 weeks' time, they were 0-14, you know, like, yeah. then we'd be, uh, they'd be automatic relegation guaranteed. We'll move on from that, but um, you know, I, I want to move on to my, my favourite topic when, whenever it happens, Liverpool losing. And not only have they lost, Mickey, not only have they lost, yes, but no. they've been absolutely disgraced. 5-0 by Manchester City. And also, uh, Oxley chamberlain making his debut. And uh, <laughs> hey, He's been uh, considered nine goals in these last two appearances for clubs. <laughs> yeah, he's um, having a great day. I kind of feel, like, is this like a Wembley curse? Like Ox is just coming to a club and all of a sudden we're in turmoil? Yeah, he's going to come to our Spurs next year. He's, oh, he's been God, sent, so. sent in as an infiltrator. Um, the big discussion point, of course, of this was in the first half. Sadio Mane being sent off for doing a Jackie Chan spinning heel <laughs> ninja kick to the face of Edison. Um, Unintentional Jackie Chan. Uh, here we go, here we go. Um, Liverpool fan, red card or not? Red card. Oh, really? I was not you expecting know, that. It's the, the thing is, but the thing that's even made a, a debate, I think, in the first place is the fact that you look at every single replay, right, and Sadio Mane's eyes never leave the ball, never, not for one second, and he's the type of player that to bring a ball down like that, he will probably put his foot up and just tap it in front of him, let himself run onto it. Yeah. It wasn't out of character. It wasn't malice. Um, his eyes were on the ball 100% of the time. I don't know, even know if he knew that. He, he probably would have sensed him because you can sense, you know, when people are around you kind of thing. It's just a human nature kind of thing. Yep. Um, but for me... You know, it's a studs-up tackle at the end of the day. It hit a goalkeeper in the face. It makes a difference if it was a defender, I think. It really does. Yeah. You know, goalkeepers are the most protected players on the field for a reason. Yeah. Um, this was a studs-up challenge. Hit him in the face. At the time, I was angry. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I think I literally was watching... When I was watching on the TV, I could see the, the ref putting his hand in his pocket, and I think my actual reaction was no, 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 no. And then I saw red, and I, I think I screamed no. <laughs> the uh, you saw red mentally. It's like, no! <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the, the, I think the most disappointing thing for us in that situation is the, the goal was coming. I think Salah was tearing on Amendi up on that right side. Well, let, 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 yeah, the right side of the pitch. Well, I've I've heard that Salah um couldn't finish his dinner, let alone a shot. Yeah, well that's it. That, well that was going to be moving on to my next point. It was just what he did in that final third. He was really um undecided, and I think that's why he struggled there. He didn't know whether to shoot or pass a lot of the time, and and that's pretty much stuck. But the fact that he's getting in that space in the first time. And if I was City fan, I would be a little bit worried because, yep. you know, Mane is, was tearing them up before that moment. He was, you know, a couple of times he ran through, the, like cut through the defence like, you know, like a hot knife through butter. and Got brought down just outside the box yeah, as well. Yeah, about five minutes before. And, you know, and we're going back to that red card, you know, if, they got, if he just got the slightest touch on that ball, that would have missed Edison. And he would have got a, he would have been almost the other way around because Edison would have collided into, into Mane. Yeah. Either that or he would have beat past him and he would have had an open goal. It is the rule of fine margins in this one. And unfortunately, 
it was a little bit of luck. It was a little bit of timing. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was a studs-up challenge to the face. As hard as, as harsh as it is, and everyone can agree that he had no malice in it, but by the law of the game, I think it was a red card. The only thing that really did throw it out yeah. was the fact that I think it was Matt Ritchie, uh, not Matt Ritchie, sorry, Charlie, one of the Bournemouth players. Yeah, yeah, he's, Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels, that's it. His challenge um, was pretty much exactly the same and he got a yellow card and that, and it bring up the debate again, I think. Yeah, um, this, you know, as we know, it's a game of inches and a few inches the other way and nothing happens and no collision and, you know, the ball just kind of trickles out and like nothing happens of it. It, you know, it was one nil down at the time, but it wasn't a, a comprehensive one nil. They were well, I thought very, we were to score. I was very confident. They were very shoddy at the back. Um, you know, Salah, as we were saying before, he was very good getting into his positions. His finishing just really needs some work. Yeah. Um, better players score that realistically. Like I know, and I, I think Salah has been a really good pickup so far, but I think a really good player, I think a Mane or a Coutinho, or, you know, any, maybe that might be the only two in Liverpool, but I'd guarantee goals. But, like, maybe yeah, Sturridge yeah. as well. Uh, but I still think Firmino can score goals as well. I think that was probably one of the poorer games I've seen him play. Do, what do Just you, being quiet. What do you think general. about the, like, the reaction of Liverpool after this to absolutely capitulate the way they did yeah. and to really just... And also Klopp to come out at the end of the game and basically say... Well, you know, it's a write-off. It, yeah, it was a it was a loss, but we're not going to really like you know, it wasn't a real loss. Like, but essentially just saying, well, the it was. yeah, it's a six-pointer. Really, it's a team that we competed with the top four, and I think it was pretty disappointing the way it happened after that. It become more of a, like an embarrassing kind of defeat. Really, I think the the goals just flowed, and we uh, it's like that moment sucked every bit of life out of our players. The one thing I was a little bit disappointed was is the. You know, red cards happen in a game whether they were just or not. Um, you know, I'll, at one nil down at that stage, I don't expect our team to lie over like you know, yeah, and just accept an absolute ass whooping which we've got. Great teams will keep for yeah, will, exactly will right. Just and I've seen plenty of games where a ten man team almost come another level and become even yeah. better. Um, it's happened this season with uh, yeah. with West Ham after Anatovic went went down, that's when they started going. Exactly right. And, you know, that ever since that red card, we, we literally laid down defence. I, I did raise... A f- what did raise my eyebrows was the fact that Clavan started over um, Lovren. Yep. I think Robertson not starting over Moreno was probably one of the, the more shocking decisions as well. Um, why is he not? Why is Robertson not starting? He's, he had a cracker in his first game for Liverpool. I don't know why you take him off for that. Um, I don't know what Moreno's done to Klopp this year to turn him into his favourite son, but, you know, I mean, like, he, he... Yeah, it was frustrating. You know, De Bruyne cut us open with Aguero's pass through the middle. Bad reaction time by... I think Matip had a, was bad reaction time. I don't, I don't... I've never... I haven't heard anything from that performance yet by Matip, but a few times I've seen him and a few of the goals, he was really just lacklustre. He, didn't he gets see, caught out big time. He, he just didn't see the... See what was going on. He didn't read the play at all, and it, and like unfortunately that with definitely the first goal, for instance, I could li- you could literally see the the three ball happening from yeah. about you know, ten meters away, and the it last a, person to react, ball. yeah, the last person to react was the guy that was trying to mark, you know, Aguero, and that's disappointing. And, and like even with Sane's goal, the second one especially, just so close, so slow to close on a guy that's literally just tapped the ball in front of his left foot and ready to put that in the top corner. Um, Jesus gets a f- two like the first one were offside called 
And then two minutes later, he gets another headed goal. Two headers. Two free headers by a guy that's probably no taller than me, and I'm not very tall, trust me. <laughs> um, you know, that's really concerning. Yeah, um, I, you know, on Matip, he was um, he was marking about as we do, uh, about a, as well as us when we play soccer fives. Like on a we, Thursday night. On a Thursday night. Like, he was absolutely, like, he he realistically, he, sometimes he, and like, I think he's a decent defender, but I think that there's a lot of the times he runs around like a headless chook. Yeah. He really yeah. doesn't know he's what's really, going on. He's really very lanky run around De, as well. De Bruyne is like, who are you actually, who are you most impressed with? I'd like to know that because there were some impressive performances from Manchester City. Um... I think they all were pretty good. I think I was pretty impressed with the fact that Aguero and Jesus played very well together, which, you know, it quietened a few voices that were saying that these two cannot play together. All you have to do is look at the, well, the fantastic through ball by Fernando. I think it's Fernando or Fernandinho. Fernandinho, yep. yeah. the same. Well, they all got the same name, really, those guys, don't they? <laughs> um, well, that was an absolute killer through ball to Aguero. And to show that he just passed it off to Jesus... Showed that you know that they've got a little bit of camaraderie there, and they're going to link up very good together. I think. I think Aguero's got the experience. Jesus has got you know so so much talent in his in his young age, and such a cool head. You know, he, you look at that that finish, and instead of just blasting, he just just that little dink. Yeah. He saw you know Mignolet would have got there otherwise, but stuff like that is the difference between players scoring you know twenty goals and fifteen. Um, they're going to look. They look very good together, and I think. Super sub Sane, he he looked very good as soon as he came on, and he made an instant impact. Um, he you know he got the one two off that first goal. I think Mignolet should have really stopped that one. It was you know yeah, inside post. I agree. It it was a very disappointing day, red card or not. We shouldn't have lost five nil. Okay, um, just quick one. You're saying super sub Sane. Who would you rather in your team, Sane or Martial coming off the bench? Ah, uh, Martial. It's um like looking at their bench right now. You know, Bernardo Silva didn't. Didn't come on. Uh, they got Gundogan, who still hasn't like really gotten back yeah, through gotten his back. his injuries. Uh, Fabian Delph couldn't get on. Um, Fabian, I don't think Fabian Delph should have stayed at Man City over the summer, to be honest. Well, and our man, th- thanks to Sadio Mane spinning house ninja kick, um, our man Claudio Bravo got to have a crack and he's not, a, my, he's not my man. Oh, he's my. <laughs> uh, he's everyone's man, and he uh, kept a clean sheet. Um, yeah, that wouldn't really do much for his hopes. <laughs> no, he would go straight back to the bench. What's um? So, any is there any positive takeaways for a Liverpool fan, or is it just it's um? The only positive takeaway is the fact that we did look so dangerous going forward. Um, in between that time of conceding the first goal and getting that red card, you know, Mane and, and Salah look like they're so dangerous, and the defenders don't know where to go. I think yeah. You know, and then when they when they concentrate on Mane and Saleh so much, they forget about Firmino just sitting in the middle there. So, you know, as a Liverpool supporter, I think, you know, that's the only positive I take out. I it raised more concerns Saturday than um, than positives. I think it, like a lot more stuff surfaced. How poor defence is, you know, like. I, Ten men or not, you know, you've still got four but, at the back. But you're not surprised, are you? Like, this is always going to be a problem against the better teams. Yeah, it is. But 5-0 is a big... That's a thumping, mate. And a team like Liverpool should never lose 5-0 no matter who you play. That's very true. Um, we'll move on, but we'll yeah. move on to Arsenal-Bournemouth. Um, you know, like, Arsenal took this pretty comfortably. Bournemouth were never really in the hunt, which is a bit disappointing. Is it panic stations yet for Bournemouth? They, you know, they haven't really done anything yet. And- no, no. No, I don't think it's panic stations just quite yet. They really need to have a group chat and decide what you know how far they want to go this year. Um, you know, one guy that 
we haven't even mentioned in in the hot seat as a manager is Eddie Howe for good reason. You know, for anyone who doesn't know, he was he's single handedly as a manager dragged them up from I think League Two. Um, that warrants some time to to yeah. work this team out. And you know they haven't looked too far. I'm pretty sure. Um, you know Jermaine Defoe hit the post. You know there is signs there. It was probably tough to play an Arsenal that's come off a four 0 thumping off Liverpool. You know they're out to get blood today. Uh, this week, and you know, Welbeck scored a couple. Lacazette scored one. Lacazette's finish was class. I think. Yeah. Welbeck's left-footed goal was also quite good, and you know, it was a, it was a three-nil Arsenal, and it just it just calmed the nerves a little bit down at the Emirates. I think. What do we? What do you reckon? Yeah. Um. Basically, that really. Welbeck, you know, is a man who would be very frustrating, as I've said this before, to support because he has weeks like this where his finishing can be quite good, yeah. and then he has weeks. Well, like- he made his goals were really. His first one was definitely a half. I'd say a half chance. Yeah, definitely. You know, he made it. He made something out of nothing, and his second goal was, you know, a good finish for using his left foot. Um, and it, yeah, I think you're totally right. Where it would be frustrating to see him like that, and then other days where he's so poor. Well, even like the, the Liverpool game, like you know, he had a he had a lot of chances there, couldn't put them away. Um, you know, Lacazette's finish, fantastic. You know, you're not too big on Sanchez this game. No, I don't think he played too particularly well. Um, whether his heart's even at Arsenal, I very much doubt it. I think, you know, besides Van Dyke, I think he had the the most. He was the most evident that he wanted to go. I wouldn't say. Would you say on par with Coutinho? Yeah, I was. I was actually. We didn't mention Coutinho's uh, back injury. It seems to have flared up after his international duty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Well, the fact that Sanchez is playing and Coutinho's not makes me think that. It could be, you know, Sanchez might be at least playing with some kind of pride. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, guess in, I could put it I a couple said, ways. Yeah, you can put it anyway, I think. And it would be interesting to see, you know, the big, going back to Liverpool for two seasons, <laughs> you know, Mane's got three three match ban, which Liverpool are appealing. Oh, yes. Um, it would be interesting to see if Coutinho's just slots in that role nah, or he if he's not playing at all. He'll get three weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anything more to say on Arsenal Bournemouth? Um, I don't know. Who have they got next week? They have... Who's this Arsenal? Yeah, Arsenal. Oh, they got Chelsea. They got a, that's Chelsea. a massive game. They, it was that like it, that in itself just shows how important it was for them to win this and get three points. You know, imagine if they lost that game or drew that game, they'd be in real trouble going into Chelsea. Um, it was it's more a band aid over the bigger wounds, I think. But we'll find out in the next couple of weeks what Arsenal are all about. Yeah, okay, so we'll move on to Brighton, West Brom. Brighton, not only have they gotten out their first goal for the season, they've knocked down three. Uh, we said that it wasn't going to happen. Yep. West Brom, very disappointing. Um, you know, their, their goal is a consolation, really, so they were never really in it. Um, yeah, this is a very good start. This is like this is exactly what Brighton would have wanted at this stage. Yeah, it was a good start, and our boy uh, Matt Ryan ended up starting over Tim Krull, which was a point <laughs> of discussion uh, last week. Um you know, Pascal Grob scores his first two goals and, you know, the first one for Brighton and then uh, Tom Hammond scored one as well. Um, you know, I think the, the most important thing for Brighton is they got goals. You know what I mean? They they didn't... And they didn't just win a 1-0, held on to the last minute kind of thing. They really, you know, 3-1's a, a real positive scoreline against a team that is um, normally very good at the back. I'm not sure what happened with West Brom this week. Um, Tony Pulis would be filthy, I think, knowing that his team let three goals down against a, a relegation candidate. Uh, Morrison did get one back for West Brom, but the damage was done by then. And you know, Brighton go into a positive note, and they and they go into Burnley, which is a huge game for them next week. 
that just sets them up for you know a good couple of weeks of writing and, and a huge challenge for Bournemouth. You know, they they will really be asking the question if they don't get a result from that one. Um, were you surprised as, as surprised about this result as I was? Because I really didn't think that West Brom would let in one goal, let alone three. Yeah, this is um this is huge because I think that West Brom would have put this down as three points the way that they've been playing. They were very impressive in kind of getting those one to two nil wins. They're very hard to um they're very hard to score against, which is really um which is a good quality to have in any side. Um, you know, looking at the stats and that, you know, they had and looking at watching the game, they had as much chances as um Brighton and they just weren't putting them away. They had a couple of much bigger chances, in all yep. honesty. And if, you know, on another day, they win that game. And, yep. you know, Brighton don't even get close. It might be, you know, it might be a 3-1 the other way, realistically. Yeah. Um. So, you know, West Brom, I don't think we'll be too upset about it. At least they were creating. Um. You know, you can have a blemish away from home every now and then. You just need to make sure it's very minimal yep. and make sure that you can bounce back. It's something that, you know, West Brom are pretty good at. And hopefully that, you know, once... Again, I've said this a few times, but hopefully when they get to, and I, I say when because I think they will, when they get to those 40 points, they will keep pushing forward and not just start conceding, like giving up points to lower teams. Yeah, I think they'll probably uh, learn from last year's you know, lesson and they'll probably you know, think to themselves, yeah, we, like, we, we'll move on from last year and, and probably, like, they'll take West Brom to the next level, I think, honestly. I think at the moment they're, they're happy to be in the Premier League, but as, you know, it's been two or three years now. And now they're going to move like two or three years. They've been there longer, but two or three years where they've they've been getting to that forty. And I think it's time for them as a club, and, and it's time to get some you know positivity in the supporters too, because they'll know they know their team better than anyone, and they know that's the way they've probably been going about it the last couple of years. It, it's time for the West Brom to, to probably move into the next into the next bracket of teams. I think I think they're at the moment they're just above the probably the bracket above relegation. In, in, as teams wise, anyway. Yeah, I, like they are currently. I, I'd say they're probably just a mid-table team. They, they're yeah. they're a make up the numbers kind of team. They remind me a lot of like Stoke last year or anything like that. And you know, Stoke might prove us wrong. Obviously, they've got a good result this week. But you know, they hopefully they can break away from that pack. You know, you don't want to be that team who kind of comes between you know eighth and thirteenth every season. Yeah. And you don't obviously you don't want to go lower, but you want to really aim for higher. You want or you want to head to the higher end of that eight to thirteen. So it's something that you know they'll they'll push on. They'll keep going. Like I'm, I got no. Um, no concerns about if I was a West Brom supporter. It's just a poor game in yeah you know, in the first poor game in the few, in the first few weeks. So yeah, nothing no, wrong with that. Yeah, nothing more than a bit of frustration. Uh, now to probably Nick's favorite game of the week. Um, this is this was a real. It wasn't an eye opening this week, but it has raised a lot of questions. Not so much about your team, Spurs, Nick, but probably Everton and where they are at. Actually, like they've they've probably hit a reality check. I think in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the game ended up finishing three Spurs, Everton nil. Harry Kane's back. Um, you reckon his first goal was deliberate? I'll tell you right now <laughs> that it wasn't. It looked very good off the boot, but and unfortunately for young Jordan Pickford, he had no chance to get into that one. Um, I, I, honestly, I thought um, the Everton defenders let uh, Pickford down the second goal with Ericsson. I don't know about you, Nick. Um, I'll let you tell us more about it. You were the one who watched it from the start. Uh, I'm big on Everton this season, but watching this game, they're, they're not going to crack the top six. There's no way. And then and it doesn't, and that's the thing too, like, look, we've talked them up to be, you know, what, do have you have them in the top six? Yeah, yet? yeah, I, I wanted to go for something now, bold. <laughs> it's it's probably as apparent as error ever that they're nowhere near the top six. Yeah, um, I think I heard a stat of them, They've you know, the last eight games they've played in uh, against the top six teams, they've only managed to get two points out of them. And it just shows that every time they come up against a team of high caliber, 
they can't get the job done. This was yeah, incredibly definitely. easy, and I, I and I say this because I watch. I would usually watch every game, every game on edge, every game so far this season. I've watched on edge: Newcastle, Chelsea, Burnley. Every game's kind of and been, you felt comfortable. In yeah, this, one. this game, like it was just like you know, once the goal kind of went in, and their defense was so poor. It should have been four. Should have been five. It really should like. Dali Ali fluffed up a chance. Kane on on a better day. Kane puts another one and gets his hat trick. You know, it's funny as um that Kane as soon as September ticks around, yep. he's scored uh, straight back into it <laughs> for England for club and country. He scores two two for England, two for Spurs, and an assist for England as well. Uh, Ericsson getting on the scoreboard score sheets, fantastic. Um, do you I, think Everton defenders let him down as well as much as I thought? He, yeah, they did? I, it was just it was too a good easy. save. It was the, a good save the first one, but yeah. Ericsson was just at the right place at the right time, but. No cover. Yeah, um, it was. It was just the whole game was just so easy getting through the defense. Like as I say, like when I say it could have been four or five, it should have been. It really should have been. We had chance after chance. The stats, like I looked at the stats just before, they flatter Everton to an absolute T. There's no way that looking at those stats, you'd think it was a pretty even game. It was nowhere even close to being even. Yeah. It was just such a cruise control kind of performance. And even at half time, when you kind of go into the rooms and you think that okay, things could turn around, it just never did. And yeah. it was never, it never looked like turning around. They barely had a chance. I think they might have had one or two shots on target the whole game. Um, I know you've got a stat about how good our last few games have been away. Yeah, well, you know, I read something today that uh, it Spurs' best form in away games for any club since 1888. Um, they've scored a total of 18 goals considered two. Um, that's the last four away games, so, so I should clarify that stat. That's against Leicester, 6-1, Hull, 7-1, 2-0 Newcastle, and now 3-0 Everton. That's pretty big. That's they, a lot of goals. That's huge, huge <laughs> numbers, isn't it? And, you know, that that's probably something that you have to be pretty excited about, that you do have that away form. You haven't lost that, at least. Well, we've got, we, we're got we playing away all season, aren't we? Yeah, well, <laughs> technically. I've, I've conceded to the curse, so... Well, you definitely have it at the moment. I'm going to ask you this question too, Nick. Where do the goals come for Everton? Because... You got Rain Rooney. They've bring him in, but he's no striker anymore. He's never going to get past those defenders. He's playing more of a of a you know a, a further away role, more of a almost like a setup kind of midfielder, like attacking midfielder. Um, he's always going to be deep. He's never going to be in, in in that right spot. So the only thing that's getting him goals at the moment are like when he does creep in a little bit into that into that attacking but in into the opposition area, and he's finding the right place at the right time. He do, obviously doesn't have the pace. But where are they coming from now? Because Everton are probably the net. Look, they they are struggling without Lukaku because they just can't kick a goal. There, um, you looked at their squad on paper going into Spurs, and I thought, wow, this is a really decent team. But they lack in the what, the main area, and that's a striker. Yep. Ramirez isn't up to it. I I said this last week. If they were to get Costa, if they were to get Vardy, they would have had the best transfer window out of everybody. Yeah. Um, by far, like I really do think that that's the missing piece of the Everton puzzle. They have such a strong midfield. And they've got so many options as well. And it's almost like they have too many and they're trying to fit too many into that squad yeah. and onto that, that 11, onto the pitch. So it's just something that... They you do know, have Europa League this year. Though. Yeah, they Keep do. Um, you know, as you said, Rooney is more of an opportunist, more than he's not somebody who's going to take on three defenders and put one in the top corner. Yeah. But other than that, you know, I can't really see too many coming other than like a scrappy goal coming from a corner. And that's the problem with Everton. There's, you know, it really was, and I said this before, that this, this is the game... 
and I've, after I've been giving them a lot of praise that this is why they're not going to break the top six. Yeah. And I know they have had a hard run, so there is there is a debate on that. But if you're playing at home after an international if break... If you want to prove yourself in that top six, I think you need to get at least like one or two results, at least draws from these bigger clubs, and they're getting nothing at Well, the Spurs were vulnerable. Like, you know, they, they came off you know, a couple of average results, not, yep. not good one for, the, for that club. International break, everybody's fresh. Everybody should be fresh at least. And, yep. you know, coming back to Goodison, you should be really trying to put in the big performance. And then to kind of serve that up, I think was just like... It just kind of made everyone go, okay. It was a bit of a reality check, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? They're not quite there. They're really missing Yannick Brilassi, I think. That injury has really killed them. He's got that pacey. He would link that really well with uh, Rooney. Um, I think you're totally right on the striker front. I think they just needed you know, an out-and-out goal scorer. Um, Which are hard to find. Oh, they, well, are, they are hard to find. I, I think Vardy is a really good option, I well, think, for them. Costa uh, would have been great. Like, Costa would have been good as well. Um, I think... I would have taken Vardy because he would probably would have been on a on a permanent basis, and I think that's yeah. just that's just got the, the the club more set up for a future more than just a one season kind of um, a band aid, as I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, they 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 they've been pulled down a couple of pegs, I think, over the last couple of weeks, Everson, and it'll be interesting to see how they go from here because now the character will be tested at that club and. Um, it doesn't get easier. They got Man United away next week, yep. and that I think that might be the end of their tough run. Which, they, got the week after. They, they got Bournemouth the week after, so, so that's yes. where it starts. Yeah, exactly right. So you know, it is it is a challenge for them. I think, but I think we're, we've found out now where they're actually at, and you know, now that I've said West Ham, you know, aren't that far behind them. They may maybe not as far behind Everton as people think. Well, the funny thing is about Everton is that, like, you know, for all the praise we've, a lot of people have been giving them, they're 16th for the table right now. Where's and West Ham? West Ham are 18th, like, you know, after yeah. their, their win. So there's not like they've gained four points. Granted, they've had some tough games, but, you know, I, I, I ask any Everton fan where they should be at this stage of the season. And should you, be in the top you, 10. You'd be going, yeah, at least top half. You'd be trying to get these points out of these bigger teams. That's the problem with them. Um, I don't like this. You know, I've said it, you know, they play a lot of hard teams. It's not an excuse. It's just kind of like you need to deal with that. And that's what good teams do. Yeah. And that's well, why they're, they're not there. You know, they want to be part of that bracket now. The, the big, playing the big teams is not an excuse to lose, I feel. Exactly. And I think that they... They use that as kind of like, oh well, you know, we're playing a few in a row, and it's like, oh, yeah. we can't, we can't sustain that. It's like well, that doesn't change week, anything. You've had a two-week yeah. break, like you can't, I can't, I can't give that any, any excuse. But Spurs, the only, the best thing about Spurs is they've got a home game against Swansea. Fucking Christ! Hopefully they can get a win. At well, you would have thought that against Burnley, but you know. But yeah, that's true, and we've got Champions League this week against Dortmund, so we'll, we'll touch on to that a bit later. But yep. we'll move on to Southampton Watford. Um, we said this last week that Watford would, you know, they were ridiculous odds. They were paying like about $5.50. And we joked about how we, to put money on it and we didn't. And we didn't put money on it for some reason. And it was just an easy, like it wasn't a difficult win at all. Southampton seemed to be in a, they're just not really clicking at the moment, are they? No, they're not. And I don't think this game was so much clicking. You know, if you look at the goals, the cause goal was um, a worldie and yeah. so was Yamats. I think... You know, these these goals are both outside 30 yards. Like, I think, you know, in any other day they could have missed or they could have easily come off a, a, a deflection. But, you know, they didn't. They scored. Um, Watford really start to, you know, start to make some ground now in the, in the Premier League. And, you know, as I was, like, you know, we've called them, the, I called them the dark horses early. Um, and they're really, like, proving me right at the moment. They're playing some really good football. Um, you know, Marcos Silva, I think, is... 
the manager's name. Yeah, Marco Silva. And he's really, you know, I can't say highly enough about him at the moment. He's, he's turning into a genius player, uh, taking over this team. And, you know, it makes me surprised that it, only Watford, like, I wonder if the, what other teams went for him. Because, you know, I can't, like, with the form that they're in at the moment and what he's doing at that club, I can't see him staying there much longer. You know, probably another couple of years and then he'll probably move on to bigger and better things. But for the moment, Watford, you know, they're doing really well and I'm glad to see they're, doing, they're playing well. They're, they've got a really big test this week. Uh, they're playing Man City at home. This is yeah. huge for them. I think that... This, and it's, but it's a nothing to lose game. It is, so. of course. And like, you know, considering where they are on the table, I think they're fourth currently. And to be, you know, fourth after this many weeks, like they would be looking at that Brighton game and going, like, we should have won that. We should, yeah. you know, we should have had another two points to our game instead of getting that nil nil. You know, um, I think that Watford know how to use the ball for some reason at the moment. They like statistically and everything like that. Looking at this game, it was very even, and like you know, passing like even the percentage of the ball and shots on target, etc. Like it was all very even and. It's just the use of the ball that gives Watford that edge, and I think that their um, you know, their pass percentage is a little bit better, and that's where they're kind of winning it through the midfield. They've just got a really solid team throughout. They don't have, I wouldn't say they have any absolute stars, or they don't have any like they haven't like pursued like somebody like of a massive caliber. They just have some really decent players throughout, and they know how to work together, and that's something that Southampton just haven't really worked out. They haven't really clicked yet. at the moment, yeah. Um, you know. Does the pressure start to build at Southampton, do you think, now? Um, I don't know if it starts to build yet. They have a, um, like, you know, to lose at home 2-0 to Watford before the season started, you'd be going, oh, that's not, that's not good at all. And But to look back now and kind of go, well, Watford have actually been kind of one of the teams to beat at, at this early stage. You know, they've got Crystal Palace away this week. They need to win. The only problem with that is they're going to have a new manager, Crystal Palace, yeah, so they're going to come they, out firing. Yeah, they, they will come out firing. And, you know... Here's the thing, you know, everybody's, everyone's been so focused on Crystal Palace at the moment. Um, I feel like the other teams have probably gotten away with poor form. Yeah, definitely. They're, now that the damage has been done at, at Crystal Palace and the ball has gone, you know, I feel like you're, they're always picking on someone. So the next person, you know, it is up for grabs. I think there's a few teams that could fall into that category. I, I don't think Bournemouth are one of them, but they could fall eventually. I think... You know, Southampton are definitely a team that could be looking to be in that section. And I think West Ham are, are really in trouble in that section as well. Well, I'll, um, I'll run through the Southampton fixtures and what they've done, just just so you know yeah. what kind of quality. They drew nil all against Swansea, which you would hope that they would get the win. West Ham, they won 3-2, where they were playing against Yeah, 10, that was that last minute goal, yep. Yep, with the penalty, which, you know, was debatable at best. They drew nil all against Huddlesfield, and now they're 2-0 lost to Watford. They haven't played anyone of any quality yet. And, and I they think haven't that's had a convincing scary. result either. Exactly. They've you know, their win was shaky Sketchy best. against 10 men. And, you know, they're a team who's now on five points. And, like, you know, looking at the start of the season, you'd be going, they should be close to double that, considering what I expect of them. Yeah, exactly right. And... And they're an established team now. I think like it's past the stage where they're hoping to stay up in the Premier League. They're, they were moving. Um, they'd be closer to the top six and the bottom six kind of thing. Yeah. So um, it's a very disappointing start for them. And, you know, the only people that probably have picked it up right now are probably the supporters. So it'd be interesting to see how they go over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, they're really going to start. They, they need a result against Palace. They really do. And, you know, it's funny you say that. They, they just really need the result against Palace, but... If you look at Palace's run after that game, they need the result more than them. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how they go about it. Um, moving on to the next game, um, Chelsea versus Leicester. Um, Chelsea, 2-1 victors. It looks like they've actually they've come out. 
once again, you know, it's another win for Chelsea. You know, a team that we were saying they were in turmoil at the start of the year. <laughs> we're the worst. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, it was. You know, it's looking, but they're making us look like idiots right now because they're doing really well. Morata scores again. Yeah, uh, you know, a player that we both thought was going to really struggle this season is really um, showing how another good he headed is. goal as well. Yeah, it's something that um, I heard somebody else say this, but like, it's funny how many people come over to the Premier League with a reputation of being good in the air, and then once they, once they get the Premier League, it kind of goes away because they're not used to the physicality. Morata's yeah. just seen the yeah, and granted, he's getting some really it's nice probably, balls. Like, probably the opposite way around, really. Morata's more of a grandpa. Yeah, and and he's turning into a really good. Uh, play vertically, and he's um like you know the balls he's getting are pretty pretty crazy like you yeah. know a couple of them were nearly unmissable you know? yeah <laughs> but he's um you know to be in the right position he's looking really comfortable um Kante scores one of the weirdest kind of goals that kind of went it kind of like three k's an hour yeah and it kind of just found its way into the bottom corner um you know I'm gonna put this to you Nick Chelsea looking now and looking back in hindsight are they worried that they lost Lukaku or are they kind of happy that they've got Murata um. Look, for the system that they're running right now, and I think that, I honestly think they would probably rival Lukaku because no team likes to, like, not get their first target. I think that's something yeah. that everybody wants to get. You want to get your But is it a man. blessing in disguise? It could be, yeah. Like, you know, looking right now, like, Lukaku's getting all, all the um, all the media attention, but I think Murata's just kind of, sl- like, kind of, and Lacazette. On the, on and, the down though. And Lacazette, yeah. Both yeah. kind of putting away goals, but not really getting a lot of uh, attention for it. And I think they'd be happy to do that. I think yeah. they're really, you know, Murata at this rate is going to end up with about 20 goals in the season. And yeah, definitely. That's gonna I agree. Be, if, if he was to do that, that's a fantastic first season. He's he probably only won't score from that one. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. We just we we seem to be good at that, but yeah. it's um yeah. I, I really I think that they'd be very happy with the um if if he was the second choice, which it looks like he was, they'd be very happy with the second choice. Yeah, and uh, Jamie Vardy getting on on the score sheet again. You know, he won the penalty, the smart play, just kind of knocked the ball away from him as the keeper come in. Clear penalty. Uh, probably a bit unlucky for Courtois to miss to not save that penalty. It come off his hand pretty heavily, but. Um, one thing Jeremy Vardy is is very decisive. He when he shoots, he shoots, and when he you know when he hits the ball, it stays hit, and and that's what made him so successful all those years ago, or not all those years ago, two, <laughs> two, two years, years ago. Two. Well, it feels like forever now, but um, that's probably his, his biggest value. Jamie Vardy is his decisiveness, and he doesn't think twice about what he's doing, does he, Nick? He he just if he if he shots on, he'll take the shot, even if it's a little bit early, but. When he hits it, there's no there's no um, hesitation. He just hits it as hard as he can, and and that's how he's become such a deadly striker. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I think there's something about Vardy that, like, when he was on top flight in those all those seasons ago, that uh, he was someone who was such a confidence player. He was just scoring at every opportunity. He was so uh, happy to take everybody on and try and you know create that. And so kind of like what Mbappe is over right now. Yeah. Uh, kind of, he's so confident on the ball and he has a has trust in himself. You're right about him. You know, once he hits a ball, he really hits it, yeah. and that's why that's exactly why it wasn't saved that penalty. Yeah. <laughs> so he's really he hits it hard. Um, he's you know he's somebody who. Yeah, you know, a lot of teams would be looking at going, man, we maybe we should have gone for him. Maybe yeah, we should have put definitely. Him in a- I, I agree as well. He, you know, he's a player that um, I, I admire because he knows what he's good at and he just sticks to There's no fancy um, trying to be something that he's not. You know, he's very good on the counter, very quick. And as I said, he when he chooses to hit the ball, he hits it hard. There's no fuss. and He's very English in that sense. Yeah, he like, is. He really is. He's probably lacking probably five or ten kilos, I reckon, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that English striker. But, you know, 
you've got to admire about the way he goes about it. And, you know, he's proving to be not a one-season wonder, which is very pleasing, I think, for every party. Like, I think... As a as a general, I think most people um, enjoy watching Jamie Vardy play because he's so um, pure in that kind of respect, and and because you know it's always nice to see the guy that's come from nothing make something of himself, and exactly. you know it's good to see him doing well again. We're moving on to a result that probably look, I'm not too shocked about this result. You know, you know, I come up probably against their their toughest opponent this this year, and uh, you know the result speaks for itself. You know, two um, two. Uh, Trevor Montaigne scores his first two goals um, after his transfer from Hamburg, or I think I think it was Hamburg. Yep. Did he come from? And Lukaku and Rashford scored. Rashford's goal um, probably should be Pogba's. Rashford had no idea about it. Um, <laughs> the the kind easy, of easiest off, goal he will ever score in he'll, his life. He'll, he'll claim it, but that's for sure. And Lukaku was, uh, you know, had he, he scored, he had his first attempt blocked. I think he was very, yeah. you know, quick reacting time to get the second shot in and, and just kind of just chipped it and and it went in and incredibly that, lucky to be fair like you know that's something that only usually happens on fifa and and, like, and when you're in form yeah it is and it's something that you know opportunist and again it's an opportunity goal beautiful <laughs> ball too by uh mikatari as was. well it was absolutely t- like delicious what a game this was but this was a really really entertaining game to watch there was chances on both ends this wasn't a game where i kind of left it going oh united should have won there were like well, we, to get to Hayes' save was absolutely class. Oh. You know, the one we had no reaction time. Unbelievable. This guy is probably besides newer. Uh, well, I'd say the actually, I'm gonna make he for me is the best goalkeeper in the world. How, hear me out for a second. <laughs> yep. You know when you got Manuel Neuer, he's probably on par with him. I think the fact that David De Gea faces, you know. Pretty good strikers week in week Ooh, out compared to to Hay to yep. Newt that probably faces a good striker maybe once a month if that okay you know that's probably why I think you know he's so good at his trade his reaction times are just absolutely impeccable and you know you watch that that ball he saved in the wicket that was hit so hard yeah. and and the the fact that he not only got there but was able to whack it over the bar. Um, he just shows he's amazing footballer. And I think, you know, a lot more credit should be given to him. I, it, it, there is a lot of credit given to him, but he, he kept the point for United at some stages on the weekend. I do agree with that, like, in the sense that, you know, Manuel Neuer kind of gets caught out sometimes, going, yeah. you know, kind of gets, uh, he advances to the ball a bit early sometimes. He's trying get... to do something that his position doesn't require, I think yeah. is the most uh, probably frustrating thing, because he and he has been caught out. It's not like he's never been caught out in that, doing that. He's been caught out a few times doing it now, and... You know, it's not trying to be something that you're not. It's, it's kind of something that he, he doesn't require doing, but it's like almost like I can do what I want kind of thing. It's also it's something that I think that um, Hugo Lloris does a bit too. He, he kind of comes out a lot and, you know, tries to do something, as you said, tries to do something that you shouldn't be really doing at that position. Just get rid of the fucking ball. It's yeah. kind of like a do, you, do you think um, there's going to come a time in an important match where he does something like this and it backfires massively and it costs you know, Bayern Munich, not only a game, but maybe a plus a spot in a final or, or or out of a cup of some sort. And, you know, all of a sudden his reputation could not, it won't get shot over that one action, but it would definitely tarnish it. Um, I don't Look, Neuer's, it looks like right now, he's untouchable. It just looks like the way he kind of plays, he's, I, like he's he's made mistakes before and yeah. he's still regarded heavily as the best goalkeeper in the world. Uh, De Gea, I agree, should be in the conversation. I don't think he gets enough praise on that world stage. And, I, you know, he's like... And, and for someone who cops so much slack at the start too, you know, don't yeah. forget, everyone wanted him out at the start. They thought he was terrible, um, you know, when he came from Atletico Madrid. 
he, he really took that in his stride. Like, there's not many players that can cop that much bombardment. And it wasn't wasn't for just one season either. You know, he was copping it for a fair while. And not only to come through with that, but to just become an absolute world-class player who's something else. Um, yeah, I, I can't speak any more highly with him. And I'm a Liverpool supporter. Yeah, he's somebody... That's very true. It's, good, it's a very good um, a praise coming from a Liverpool supporter. It's just, yeah, he's somebody that is just... He does it week in, week out, and he's very hard to stop. And I hate versing United for that reason because yeah, he's like he's so un- yeah, like you need to really put in a good shot to get past him. There's no easy goals here, and where I think that other goalkeepers, you can, they can make a mistake. This guy just doesn't do it. But yeah. um, on that, hang on, one more question. Yeah, go on. So we both agreed, Neuer and Neuer, Neuer, um, <laughs> and De Gea in the same same bracket. Would you put any other goalkeeper in the world in that bracket? Ah, uh, not at the moment. I don't off the top of my head. Buffon. I, Oh, actually, Buffon, yeah, I didn't actually think of Donnarumma? Buffon. Not yet? Nah, not yet. I think Buffon would be the only one I consider close. And I think Buffon gets a bit of a, sim- not sympathy, but he gets a, uh, everybody loves him. Everybody yeah. wants to see him succeed. But he still plays so well. So. He's unreal. And, you know, De Gea is um, the one of, I think he might be the highest rated FIFA 18 Premier League player with, really? ha- with Hazard on 90 apiece. Which I, I think is fair. And yeah, it just yeah, it shows how, that everybody. How far else away is Courtois behind them? Do you I was think? yeah, that was the other one I was thinking of. I think he's a little bit off still. I don't like he still does it every week. So like you know, he does, he's a very good goalkeeper. I don't think he's unbeat. Like he's not somebody I fear as much. Yep. I guess. Yeah, I'll I'll have that same opinion. But uh, we'll move on. We'll move on to uh, we'll, we'll quickly touch on the Burnley Palace game, which we kind of touched on before. But you know. It's just a simple kind of Burnley. Burnley getting their home wins huge because they haven't had a good home record so yep. far. Um, you know, Palace obviously is only so much you can take out considering now they're going to have a new manager. Uh, what do you think? If you had to predict how Palace are going to go next week, what would you be saying? I don't think they'll. It's, it's a tough one. You know, if they first any of the top four, I think they'd be in real trouble. Southampton, they're versing a team that I reckon are not too far away from them in terms of form. Um, I don't think. Southampton, by any stretch of imagination, have been impressive. So if there's a time where Palace are going to get the points, or a point, or even a goal, it's going to be this one. I think they were so like they were disappointing on the weekend. You know, just key moments that have really cost a man his job. Really, the back pass that, that led to Woods' goal. I think that was a good finish. He, but it was the same kind of you know, he looked like he got into that position where he, he kicked a million goals from that position before and just put it away. Still got to do it, bro. Um, Something that I noticed was, you know, they had sixty-five percent possession of the ball. Palace did. Uh, they had twenty. They had twenty-three shots. Yeah. On tar- on, on on goal, they only had four on target out of that, and they created about I reckon about three or four big chances, and you know, big chances that I think most teams or a, a team like Palace on their day would have put all three put away. away. Yeah. And don't forget, Tom Heaton dislocated his shoulder in that game. Yeah. Um, so they were out without their their main goalkeeper for a large sum of it. And it just shows that when it doesn't go right for you, it just doesn't go right sometimes. And sometimes, it, you know, you can try anything in, in the world and it just <laughs> still won't come off. You know what I mean? It, it's just the way the world works sometimes. And unfortunately, you know, for Palace, they've got to, they've got to look to move on now. Um Something's got to change. They have made that change. Whether it's going to work is is going to be seen to be believed. But you know what? Is there anything else you could say about Palace at the moment? No. It was really that was the game. Really, it was really not what you could say about Burnley, but what you could say about Palace. It is. Um. Yeah. Burnley took their opportunity. It was early in the game, three minutes in. Would again, we said this before, but great finish. 
um, it's it's a player of confidence. That's that's a yep. confidence goal because like most players would try and take on the goalkeeper or try a dinky chip, but he just completely. The well, reason it was a Jamie Vardy kind of finish, well, wasn't it? The it's reason, decisive. The reason why he scored was because he took it so early and it caught him off guard. There's no yep. like, goal. He was like, okay, he's going to come in. It's going to be a one on one here, and I'm going to have to try and think my way through this. He hit it straight away. It was just like, oh shit! Like you know, he had no time to react to that. Yeah, exactly right. And um, it's, yeah, that's a confidence goal, as you said. It's very Jamie Vardy esque kind of goal. Uh, Palace, you know, I I hope that they can bounce back. I don't mind Palace again. Yeah, I'm, Sel- I'm a fan of Palace. Selhurst Park is um, criminally, you know, criminally underrated as a ground as a, as a support base, and I yeah. think that. Yeah, if I was a supporter there, I'd be you know, just hoping for any kind of change. Just play some attacking football. Just get your first fucking goal on the board. That's just that's for the step first by goal. Step. Yeah, yeah, step by step. We'll move on to Swansea Newcastle. Um, this is a really awesome result for Newcastle coming in the one nil victory away from home. Yeah, the one thing I noticed for me was you look at Swansea's team now. You look at Abraham. He's starting to play some really good football. Um, you look at Renato Sanchez in the team, who wasn't impressive on the weekend. Oh, God, no. Um, you got Wilfred Boney back in the team. Their team on paper is starting to look better and better. Um, I would say that, you know, there's three players that should be taking the Premier League by storm. Um, I think the only one who, who did that on the weekend was Abraham. He was very unlucky not to score. He beat the one-on-one with the keeper, only for Lasallis to save it on the pretty much off the line. Yeah. And then for 10 minutes later to score a goal. So... The Newcastle captain really stepping up, which is really good to see. Um, it's good to see a man, you know, to, you know, have a bit of pride in his in his actions and and help drag Newcastle over. That's two wins in a row for the black and white, and you know they look a little bit more comfortable. It settles the nerves, I think, because after the first couple of games, you know, they were looking a little nervy. Um, it just bring, makes me go back and think, you know, if John Joe Shelby didn't get sent off in that first game, what could have been another point, and they would be looking very, very comfortable. I think something that's interesting to note is that Shelby actually was on the bench for this game, and they didn't put him on, which I think is a very, um, that's a really nice disciplinary, uh, disciplinary action to make. And just kind so, of like, yeah, it's pretty much saying that you're not just going to go straight yeah, back into the you're team. You're not untouchable here. If you're going to do something that's stupid, you're going to have to work your way back into the side. I think that's a really good kind of attitude to put into the club and instill into it. Something the rapper, I'm sure, is trying to do with the limited resources that he has. Do it, you think he's the most? He's got the most limited resources in the Premier League at the moment, as in team was. Yeah. Oh. Uh, like, if you think of the no. signings even Brighton have made and Huddersfield, he's probably been able to make the least. And he, he all he's got is a championship side at the moment. I, I think I think their side's a little bit better than... I think Brighton's got the worst side right now. Just on paper. Uh, yeah, just. I just think Newcastle have a few players. Like, you know, bringing on a player like Atsu off the bench this game is something that, like, Atsu's a decent player. Like, he's somebody who, against Spurs, he was worrying. He was, somebody, yeah. he was one of the only players that really kind and of pushed did, us. And he did... Uh, Set up that goal against um, it was West Ham. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, and Asu's had Premier League experience before. I'll give you that. Yeah, but um, yeah, like this was a a really good win for Newcastle. It's something that you know um, Swansea are going to need to kind of bounce back from because these are games that they need to be getting points on. Yeah. And you definitely don't want to be giving away points to a team like Newcastle who could be fighting fighting out with you for that last relegation spot, which I think those two teams could be on that around that area come you know, May next year. Um, do you think Renato Sanchez has a risk of losing value in this year? He had a poor start to the year. Obviously, they're going to stick with him for the next couple of weeks. But if he continuously play, continuously plays poor, does that ruin his whole reputation? Because he he's in that spot where that actually could happen. I think I heard a start about him saying that in the first 28 minutes of the game, he lost the ball 14 times. 14 times in 28 minutes. That's how poorly he started. Is that, do you think, 
due to a lack of playing? Or, it's, well, he only, or the whole process of moving to the Swansea? Fact, I think one of the big things was that he um, he only arrived like last Thursday or Friday. So like there's only so much time you can do like, and you're going to try and adapt. He doesn't speak a lick of English. Just huge. No, doesn't speak, speak Welsh or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, doesn't speak anything. He's just straight Portuguese. He's only, he needs um. He's talking to basically like an assistant coach. Is basically a translator. So there's only so much you can do. And I think that you know, for somebody to come over here, it's a big move. But if you can't, all due to him too. This is huge. This is a huge risk for him. Like he's got so much on the line in reputation, all that kind of stuff. And as you said, this for guy he speaks Portuguese. Um, this is a huge risk for him, and I guess that's important because he need he might need this to go to the next level. But yeah, as you were saying, but is it a is it a risk? Like, is it a, like a huge risk, and should we applaud it, or is it a huge risk, and we should be like, he's an idiot because you know he's gone from Benfica to Bayern to Swansea. Like, what kind of method is this? Like, this is yeah, absolutely ridiculous. It is, it is definitely a weird um path you choose in your career. Um, look. I think it's brave. I, I like it. I think it's a chance that he's going to play in the best league in the world. And if it doesn't make him a better player, um, it will make him a better player. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, see, you know, it is, it is his first game and, and he, he did play pretty much so close to him when he got signed. Yeah. Um, he's got, you know, he's got the whole year. So let's yeah, just hope we see the best of him yet. Um, I do like to say, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see Newcastle getting some points on the board. I think largely it is to Rafa. Um, you know, he, he's going to be seen as a god there if he stays there. But, I, yeah, as I said, with Mike Ashley and that, I really – something's got to give sooner or later. Um, but we're moving on to the last result of the week. Um, this morning. This Do you reckon this – with everything that ha- happened with um, the Boar and that, do you reckon this saves Billich's job? Oh, uh, it – at least um, prevents it. it. Prevents it. Yeah, it prevents it for now. I think that um, yeah, you know, this is a result that needs to happen. You got to understand if everybody who like we say, I think I've said this every week, but they have this is their first home game, so yeah. we need to remember that um, this isn't something. It's not like they've been playing home every week. Um, it's good for them to get a win, especially at that shitty stadium that they have right now. Um, to get one early can kind of you know get some fans behind them at least and try to um. Yeah, just trying to instill a bit of confidence in the team because considering their start, like yeah. well, I'll put it this way: I watched the game and it was not convincing by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> it was, it really wasn't. Pedro Aubameyang's goal was uh, uh, highly deflected, so much so <laughs> that I probably thought it was an own goal. Yeah. His shot looked like it was, gonna, it was just about to go wide, and for anyone who didn't see it, it come off of the defender. I'm not sure who, but it literally from outside the box dipped in the air and probably hit the top the postage stamp of the goal. Um, this was incredibly unlucky. I think the game where at the stage could have almost gone either way. West Ham were pressing a bit more. Um, I'll give them credit for that. Um, and, you know, they scored that goal and I think it, it sucked the life out of Huskville a little bit. Um, and then, you know, probably 10 minutes later, AU scores a scrappy, scrappy goal. Yeah. It does seal the result. The one thing I did applaud Huddersfield for is after that second goal, they kind of just went for it. Um, I think that probably should have happened in the first goal. I think they were at the at that stage they were probably a little bit hesitant to go fully for it because of you know the counter that West Ham could have done. Tommins hit the the crossbar. I think that could have easily gone in. I think Huddersfield showed it a little bit after the second goal, and I was a little bit impressed. Andy Carroll played well in his return. Um, I know the fans are very happy with him, so much so that Hernandez actually got subbed off for OU. Um, I think that's a pretty big statement that, you know, Billich wanted Carroll to stay on. Um, you know, 
I'll say that it was a scrappy win, but at the same time, a win's a win. Three point, you know, it doesn't come up on 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 the table saying it was a scrappy win. It says three points, and I think they they desperately needed that to move forward. Yeah, it, it was a bit of um a bit of luck, but you need that in the in the league sometimes. Yeah, 100%. You know, they've had some luck against them, considering that penalty against Southampton is one of a few things that have gone against them. To ha- to actually play Carol Chicharito and Antonio up front was really refreshing because they're basically their 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 three strikers. Yeah, in. I didn't like it. Um, Hernandez started on on the wing. I think that's not his position. It was interesting. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see why. Like you know, considering they got the win, I guess you can't complain too much. And as you said for him, like because they both got taken off, Carol and Chikorito, but Chikorito obviously got taken off first. Yeah, he did for a yeah, yeah far, far earlier. And it's something that I like. I guess they're trying to kind of work out a system because they obviously like Carol. Carol's someone who can come into a real big effect, especially in the air, of course. And like, it's something that, you know, not many teams have. I, I, I keep coming back to it, but like, you know, there's teams like Arsenal with like a Giroud and that not many players have that um, dynamic about yeah. them. And he, having, he does have a Giroud feel, doesn't he? Well, Carroll being, being good in the air and Chikorito being good at kind of being positional and kind of being an opportunist. It does. They kind of play hand in hand in that sense. Like, you know, if Carroll has a, has a crack and the keeper saves off the rebound, could be going straight to Chikorito. It's kind of like yeah. a perfect play. Would you play two of them next to each other? No, uh, Antonio. Well, I wouldn't play Antonio. I think Antonio would be a nice sub player. I think they could play as a front pair and then maybe Antonio out wide. Um, you know, you, obviously you have to find someone else. I think that's where Lanzini will come in when he comes back. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I do feel for Huddersfield this this could have easily been a result for them, at least a draw. It'll be. I just don't want to see the like. I'm a little bit worried that. A result like this kind of sets the pace, and the next minute they've played another five games and haven't got a point. You know, um, I find that teams start off so well, and then some, you know, some little thing happens that they only just lose, and the wheels fall off very, very quickly. They've got to really nip this in the butt. I think um, they've got a, they've got Leicester next week. I think that's a result that could, you know, that that they could play a lot harder teams in the league. I think they need to get at least a point out of that just to stem that kind of that that initial loss and not make sure that doesn't blow out to two three losses in a row. Yeah, you definitely need to stop it from uh, being just a one time thing to being a stacking on and trying to pile on the pressure. It is something that um, Huddlesfield, you know, they were obviously at some stage going to get scored against, which <laughs> unfortunately, um, believe but, it or not, yeah, believe it or not, they weren't going to go um, scoreless the whole season. But yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those results that you know I. I can't, I'm not surprised at, yeah. but you know, in like as you said, in watching the game, it was something that you know maybe two 0 wasn't like a fair result. Maybe just like a one nil or even a draw would have been probably the fairer yeah. ending. But what we'll do is we'll take a break. Um, we'll come back. We've got Facebook's finest. We'll talk a little bit about the Champions League and we'll make our predictions for Week Five. And back to our favourite segment of the week, Nick. Um, we look at the keyboard warriors of the world and, you know, we have a good chuckle every time we hear a couple of them, Nick. Uh, you know, another week of uh, good old laughs on the old Facebook world. Yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, Facebook, same as usual. <laughs> Facebook's finest. Um, you know, again, this is where we appreciate everybody's uh, opinion, whether they're right or wrong. We only highlight the wrong opinions and the very stupid <laughs> the madness ones. of the of the world. Um, Nikki, do you want to take? Do you want to take out this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the first one. So basically, me and Nick come over a, um, a, a poll over the best um, twenty Premier League players since the beginning of the Premier League. Um, you know, there's the 
plenty of big names that host a number, including uh, Yaya Torres, Suarez, um, Aguero, um, Andy Cole, Gary Neville, uh, David Beckham, just to name a few. Burkamp, you know, yep. Alan Shearer. Um, number one was voted Ryan Giggs. Now, you know, you know, I think that's a. It's almost a, as a Liverpool supporter, I think it's almost fair considering how many how many uh, titles he won and how many years he he played for for the Red Devils and was able to be you know a contributor all the way to the end of his career. Um, and that's big coming from me. Now. There's a person who who made a comment, James Dawson, his name is, who questioned that, I think, by saying he has no idea why Giggs is in there, well overrated. <laughs> he was number one. <laughs> he, was, he was very number one, and for a Liverpool supporter to agree that he was probably number one, he's probably saying something, Nick. I don't know about you. Well, you, also, they put Lampard above Gerrard, so I think they got it pretty right. No, well, they it. got that part of it wrong, that's for sure. There was no, in, no world that that should be number one. <laughs> I'll, give, um, I'll give you this one. This is from today's um, game, West Ham, Huddlesfield, the deflection goal. Yes. Now, I didn't watch the game because I had to work, but... But I have um, James uh, Fiumara um, did basically a quote of the commentary saying that uh, Obiang has only scored two goals for West Ham. I haven't seen the other one, but it was definitely better. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually quite true. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, I don't even think he really scored that (laughs) the second one, so it has to be better, surely. Um, I'm going over to another quote that from uh, Kylian Mbappe, who just arrived at PSG, if you have been living under a rock for an uh, initial loan deal, but then an astron- astronomical yes. fee. Um, and he was quoted saying that he used to grow up watching Ronaldinho at PSG. I find it very hard to believe since he was four years old when um, <laughs> Ronaldinho left PSG. So it would have had to be the first three years before that. Um, I don't know how much how much football you watched at four, Nick, but I oh, couldn't imagine it being enough. Oh, I wasn't I wasn't the best player at four. I peaked about six, but I'll move. <laughs> we'll move on to um, a quote from our uh, Stephen Robert Robertson who uh, commented on the Mane and the whole uh, Liverpool-Manchester City game, saying that uh, they went down to 10 men once Mane got sent off, but then they went down to 9 men when Ox got sent on. <laughs> well, that is true, you know. <laughs> it baffled me, that decision, to be honest. Um, I had to go all the way back to the start of the show, but the man that probably looked the most dangerous in attack, which was Salah, was taken off for really... Um, Ox who become the holding midfielder, if anything. Exactly. What do you, what do you got for it? Him, was, uh, it was baffling. Um, <laughs> but we will move on because, you know, I've let go of that week. Um, <laughs> and Golo Carte, um in the week, who everyone who loves the FIFA franchise, um, he, if anyone knows, he actually received a huge boost in his overall. I think it went to as high as 87. Yep. Um, from a mere 81. I wouldn't say it's a mere, but it's an impressive improvement. Um, I got a call from Paul. Uh, a comment from Paul Branch, who is a Liverpool supporter. Unfortunately, he's representing us. Um, <laughs> who said he was the most overrated player in the league. He was fanned out against Burnley for fuck's sake. Um, no, <laughs> he was PFA Player of the Year last year. Um, he won a title with Leicester the year before that. I don't know how much years he has to prove to you that he's overrated in brackets. I think you're going mad, mate. <laughs> I will move on. I got one for you. Um, they had this big post on, and uh, it was basically name something the Bill Gates can't buy. And uh, Agron uh, Molisi 
said, uh, Coutinho, them bitches from Liverpool won't sell him. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Uh, and um, I'm very happy to see that he's still Liverpool forever, for however long. Um, that's all I've got for today, Nick. Have oh, you got any more? Mate, i got one more. You got. I am always beating you in Facebook's finest. This is why I put all my work into Facebook's finest. And it pays off when, I, when the end product comes in. Here we go. My last one. Is that anything to do with Liverpool? Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, Gab- Gabriel Jesus' two goals came on... Uh, sorry, I'll say start that again. Gabriel Jesus' two goals came on the 48, uh, 45 plus eight minute and the 52nd minute. So technically, he scored his second goal before he scored his first goal. Ooh. Suss that out. Jesus Christ. I'll be, I think, I'll be staring at stealing things. <laughs> um, another fine week of Facebook's finest. I'm sure someone's going to make a fool of themselves this week at somewhere around the world and we'll find out and we'll let you know as soon as we find it. What, what I want to touch on just quickly because um, we haven't really talked about this at all okay. since we've started the show is Champions League. You know, the draws yep. came out. We never really touched on who got a uh, good draw, bad draw, mainly, mainly because I was I just didn't want to talk about Spurs getting a bad draw. But Which you, got a, you didn't get a bad draw. We didn't. You got an absolutely horrible draw. Oh, <laughs> You've got the worst draw possible. I was, I was about to backhand. Yeah, I'll just you know quickly going through just the um the Premier League teams in the Champions League. Yep. What they got? Man United have the easiest draw of the fucking group because they're obviously they always get it. Chelsea have a tough draw with um Atletico and Roma. Um, Liverpool have a pretty simple draw, I'd say, with Sevilla and a couple of fucking no names. Uh, Man City have Napoli. And, well... Well, it all kicks off this weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, during this week. Yep. And Tottenham have Real Madrid and Dortmund in their... In their Bye-bye, uh, Tottenham. This is, um, this is huge. Like, Champions League is something that I, you know, I, I pay attention to, but... I never think that Spurs are going to win it, win it, or go through, go very far. So it's very hard. I, I'm very reserved when it comes to the Champions League. But this week, uh, this Thursday morning, our time, uh, Spurs are playing Dortmund at home at Wembley, if you consider that home, and Liverpool are playing Sevilla at Anfield. And yeah, you got to remember uh, what happened. Yeah, you know, when well, it is uh, Europa League replay, isn't it? From the two seasons ago, um, look. It's exciting for me as a Liverpool supporter to be back in the you know the Champions League. I feel like uh, we've got a nice history with the old uh, the old uh, tournament. Um, after you know who could forget in Istanbul, but um, <laughs> you know I'm I'm kind of happy we got a favourable draw. We really needed it. I think coming back into the competition, I don't think I think we need to to progress from the group stage. I think that's a must. Uh, for us personally, you definitely um, do have a uh, a group that should like you should get and through. Yeah. I, I, and I, I say all this saying that, but Sevilla is you know they got some good players. They're going to be the big challenge, and we need to get a result against them. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, Sevilla, I think used to will be the ones who get through. But that being yep. said, Spurs should have got through last season, last That's year. Exactly they right. So anything can happen. There are a few cracking games on this week. We've got Barcelona Juventus Ooh. coming in. We've got Roma Atletico. We've got. Also, um, uh, Liverpool Sevilla. We've got Leipzig versus Monaco, which I think is a really yeah. Really that'll be really. Game. That, they're two up and coming teams in in world football, so that's going to be an absolute cracker. And we have got Spurs and Dortmund. Like this is there are a lot of decent games this week, and it shows like this year's groups to see Barcelona and Juventus in the same group is just it's exciting, isn't it? Well, so they got who they are, Bar- that group. Yep. I'd have to just do a quick little check for you. Why? Why you check that anyway? It, you know what? It, it's that's you know obviously the best part about Champions League is these these giants of European football really come in and and they you know 
they battle it out. And and this is why this competition, you know, is, is regarded as the biggest competition in the world because it is the best of the best. And I want to pull something to you, Nick. Ooh, okay. Um, you know, we've got these teams around the world now that are starting to make their mark um, and they're becoming really good teams, you know, um, but they're not necessarily in Europe. So I'm talking about teams like Boca Juniors, you know, teams that are, you know, historically huge clubs. Mm. Would you be open to a wild card entry from maybe each continent? Uh, look, it sounds good on paper, doesn't it? It sounds like, you know, it's kind of like a why not kind of scenario, but yeah. then you've got to work out what you're going to do and how you're going to take that spot away from a European side. Well, for me, it'd come into under something as like um, the playoffs. So they've got the playoffs for, the, for the, those final spots. Because um, I don't think teams outside of Europe are as strong. You know, there's a couple of good Brazilian sides, a couple of good uh, Argentinian sides, and this and that. But do you think it's for, the, for the world game and the way we, we go about it and expanding it, would you think that wildcard entry would be valid? Uh, I can definitely see the argument. I don't think this, like, I think this is something that I feel like it has been brought up a few times. But at the end of it, you know, in terms of like strength and who would, you know, like who would uh, fit the Champions League bill, there aren't too many teams outside of Europe that I think would really, really do, settle it. Would really do anything. And I think that if there was a team as good as, say, it doesn't have to be like as good as Real Madrid, it can be as good as like a, a you know, like a Monaco or even like a, a Benfica or well, something Monaco like that. is technically not even a part of France. So, well, yeah. So yeah, that changes everything, doesn't it? Uh, like, just like a, as good as maybe a Benfica or Leipzig, anything kind of around that kind of range. It could even be like one of, like a Celtic or even like a lower team like that. But like, there aren't many teams that are the, around that grade. And that's yeah. the problem. And it creates this kind of, yeah. And I feel like Champions League has brought up such a history of being like Europe's best. Europe's it best, has yeah. been kind of that It's way hard to move of, away from that. Yeah, it is. And I, like, you know, people, yeah, people are, people are stubborn as shit. Like, yeah, and they won't, they don't want to change what they have and like the, yep. the no, changes the glory of it um just quickly i will um give you your teams that you wanted to know from before uh, barcelona juventus sporting lisbon and olympiacos um so they they should go through those two teams um how celtic are you excited to see them play this year in the champions league always. so much has been said of their unbeaten season the massive debate obviously is how good they are on the world stage now you know you know, you ask anyone that goes to Celtic or, you know, say about Scottish football and, and say, you know, you know, Celtic are the real deal. I firmly believe they're not. I don't <laughs> think, like, I think they're playing in a league that's really just um, not up to to the standard that the, the rest of the teams in Europe is. It's not their fault. They're just the financially, they don't have it there. They don't have the competition itself. You know, you, you know how many players, if you, know, if, you get, if you don't play for Celtic, you know, not many of the players are, are you know, world beaters. Um, and I think even Celtic's best side, you, you look at their, their best player, Scott Sinclair, um, failed at Aston Villa. So, you know, in a team that come last in the Premier League. So where they're at, they'll be interesting to see. I can't, like, Brendan Rodgers, the manager, you know, he's done well there. But, you know, he's going to find out this year where they're at. And I, I'm, I hope for their sake they don't get their pants pulled down. Um, but if they do, it really will de- It'll just pull the whole Scottish league down, I think. Oh, the thing is that, unfortunately, with Celtic, they've got an impossible draw. They've got Bayern and PSG in their group. Yeah. Uh, that's that's harder than Spurs' group. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, that really is. Like it's, you know, PSG would be... How far do you think they'll go this year? Um, I think PSG... Uh, I reckon they're going to get knocked out about the round of eight. 
I really do. I, I think the thing is with PSG is I don't trust them at the back. I really do. I think like they've got Marquinhos real... and just, Thiago Silva. Yeah, There's probably, I, you know, I'll, I'll rate their defenders pretty good, actually. I, I don't know. I don't Kieran know. Trap at defence. As a goalkeeper, sorry. Yeah, Trap's not the Danny player. Alves now. Yeah, like they, they've got good players. I just don't see, like, I feel like they're going to get found out there because a lot, you know, Danny Alves being new and all that. And there's some players coming in. I think like they've sold off a lot. I feel like the bit of chemistry might have gone. Yep. And, okay. you know, we might, you know, I, I'd love to be I, I honestly think they'll go all the way. You reckon they'll win it? I wouldn't think they'll win it. They'll go a long way towards the, the maybe the last, last semifinals or, the, you know, the last four. I'll just give you a couple lines before we move on. Uh, Atletico, Chelsea, Roma, who misses out? Roma. Easily, or do you think it's going to be close? No, no, I definitely think it's going to be close, but I think, um, you know, like, for instance, I think Chelsea have got players that have been there, done that kind of, you think of Murata and a couple of others. Uh, you know, even Kante got, got Leicester through to pass the group stage last year. They're going to be ready this year. I think Roma are just not strong enough. And definitely after losing Sala, um, they're going to struggle. Um, okay, Porto, Monaco, Leipzig. Who misses out? That's an interesting Porto. one. Porto. Porto? Yeah, I think Leipzig and Monaco are too impressive at the moment. And you, and they did lose a lot of players, Monaco, but you see how well they've adapted to losing those players. Um, they're, they're still winning flat out at the moment, so I, I can't see Porto beating them too. Um, okay, Basil Benfica and CSKA Moscow. Uh, who gets that last spot with Man United in their group? All the teams again, sorry? Basil Benfica and Moscow. Um, the Russian teams are actually quite strong. Um, I can't see Basel going through. Um, they're the Swiss team. Um, they're, they're the dominant team in Swiss football, but, um, ever since they lost, uh, a couple of their, their good players, well, they, they previously had Jacker, who was playing his best football there. Um, they had Iboyo, uh, Iboyo or whatever his name is. I think he's at Schalke now. Um, you know, after losing those kind of players, they're going to struggle to, to make a real impact. And uh, finally, Real, Dortmund, Spurs. Any hope? What, what do you think? I think you got to actually do have a hope. You know, you got to think of your your best eleven is probably one of the best sides in Europe at the moment. Oh, I really do believe come that. Come on, come on. I'm not. Don't, like, don't pump up my tyres. I'm not pumping <laughs> up your tyres, Nick. I would have. I would have. would have been nothing more satisfying in the world than telling me telling you that your team is shit. <laughs> that's true. As someone that is as competitive as I am, you know that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, it would have given me no greater joy, but I honestly think that you've got a really good side, a really young side. Um, experience is going to be your massive, your biggest problem where Dorman, I think, um, are more prepared. Um, you know, it's going to be out of you and Dortmund, obviously. I think... It could go either way, that one, honestly. Yeah, I think that there are a few. Like, um, I'd, yeah, all, obviously, it goes back to Wembley form. It really does. Yeah, it does. And, like, you know, that's not exactly a home ground advantage for Spurs at the moment. No. Yeah, but then again, if, if they were to get the win this week, it would kickstart the rest of their Premier League season yeah. as well as their Champions League. So, And I also think it's really cool that Spurs are going to be playing Real Madrid. I just think that's going to be cool. Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. Um, when Liverpool went back to the Champions League a couple of years ago, I, I really did say for the moment that we did take on Real Madrid again. Um, you know, obviously the time we played before that was a lot more glorious. But, <laughs> um, you know, when you play, you know, the arguably the the best side in the world, it, it's a, it's an incredible experience. They Not are. for your supporters, they but are. they are they the are the best side in the world. Yeah, they are. And you know, you get the host at Wembley, which is I think is a special event in itself. I think that that is just a, a game fitting for you know two two giants of European football when you consider every league and every team. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. I think that, you know, and Bale coming to Wembley. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Uh, what we'll do is we will do our predictions for week five. Mickey, 
you finally got your first weekly win against me this Thank week. Thank you, and I believe that I got two scores right and a manager sacking right in the same week. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know about the manager sacking. I think you borrowed that one off How me. How did I borrow that one off you? I, I said it first. I said Because I broke the breaking news that he was probably going to get sacked this week or next. No. <laughs> I don't accept that. <laughs> but yeah, you did. And hey, I've already said that Tottenham is a good team. Yeah, I'm not okay. going to admit two things in a week, and yeah, I'm, there's no. nothing to admit, obviously. Um, so we're three three one my way at the moment. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, you get a one point for a correct uh, result, and you get three points for exact scores. Yep. Um, yeah. We sometimes we chuck our extra predictions in. I remember I got um, Ericsson getting two assists correct um, week one, and you've got Murata and Vardy scoring this week. Yes, I did. Um, those don't get extra points, but you but get I a feel bit, so much more satisfied. Yeah, exactly. You feel like a bigger person if you do that. And if you lose and you, you've got a couple of those ones, you feel like you've won anyway. Yeah. Um, Mickey, should we start? I think that uh, considering that you won, I think that you should be the one who takes us into the uh, first one. Yeah, no worries. Um, this is going to be... Uh, a more interesting game that you probably would have thought than you've probably thought at the start of the year. Uh, we're talking Bournemouth and Brighton. Uh, Bournemouth obviously in the poorer form now that Brighton's got their first winning goals of the year. Um, but this is a bit tough to call. Yeah, I think this is um, this is one of those fifty fifties. I think the Bournemouth need the win, and that's the thing they really need a win, and they they haven't been convincing in any sense. You really look at their goal that they like the absolute banger of a goal from Daniels. Yeah. It's not something that they're going to be able to produce every week. Definitely not. So they need to figure out a way. They've got the, they've got the strike power. They've got some good plays in their squad. I feel like this is more of a must win for Bournemouth. I think Brighton, as much as I you know, they'd be very satisfied with their win against West Brom. Do you I, think they can take that form into this week? I think that they're going to be a bit more uh, content and be like, okay, like, you know, if, if, we, if they lose that one, they won't be as upset. Yep. I'm going to go with a Bournemouth, Bournemouth victory. I'm going to go with a 1-0 win for Bournemouth. Well, I'm leaning towards that this week as well. I think Jermaine Defoe is going to get on the target for the first time. I think it's actually going to be 2-0. I think Brighton and um, away from home, um, they would have been stoked with the win last week. I think uh, I think they're not quite prepared to, to take that next step of, you know, making it cons- consecutive wins. I don't think they're going to draw either. Um, yeah, I'm going for a 2 new result. Yeah, I think that's all right. I think we're going to move on to Palace and Southampton. This this is actually a huge game. There's huge connotations to this one. There's huge um, backing here. Yo, this is um this is massive for both clubs, probably bigger for Palace, even though Southampton really need the win. So. Is it bigger for Palace, but because I think it is. It comes into a new manager, he's got a clean slate. I, I think it the only reason this tips it towards Palace as a big game for them is that they're running over the next four games after that. Yeah, they do. And that, that could uh, it's kinda of like a, a bunch of contributors that kind of um give the reason why I think it's more important to them. The fact that they haven't gotten a point yet they haven't scored like it's just so big for them just to get off the mark especially at home like this week this is such a like Southampton aren't easy to score against they haven't had many scored against them this season so it isn't going to be easy well well I'll answer you this question will they score this week Oh, I've been saying every week that everyone's going to score. Like finally, I got a. You know, I said Brighton was going to score, and they scored. And I couldn't. I don't think quite believe you when you said that. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, and they got three of them. So like, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say I'm not going to say they get the win. I'm going to say they get a a handy one-one draw. Yeah, look, I think Southampton are going to scrape through this one. I don't think anything's going to change in Palace's um, corner. I think they're probably going to lose two-one. I think uh, Shang Long and I think Ben Teke will actually get onto the score sheet this week for once in his life. Um, Shane Long and 
you shame them double. <laughs> you were thinking of somebody else, and you're like, oh, I don't know. I, lost, I completely lost the Southampton players, and I actually know them. That's the problem. How about Redmond? Redmond won, and Shane Long won. There we, there we go. Okay, um, Huddersfield, Leicester. Um, big game, you know, for Leicester's. You know, Leicester's pretty low on the table right now. They've won one, lost three. They're not really exactly looking in great form. Huddersfield looking in pretty good form, considering where everyone expected them to be, but. They are coming off a loss. Do you think they're going to go back-to-back losses? I actually think they they are. I think um, you see this a lot in teams where the, the the honeymoon period is over and then they have to face reality of they've got to start keep getting points. Yep. Um, I think Leicester coming off a very unlucky loss to Chelsea. I still think Huddersfield can find the net. I just don't think they will this week. I think it's going to be 2 new Leicester. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look into this one. I'm going to go... I'm going to look into a Leicester win as well. I'm going to say it's going to be a 2-1 victory for Leicester. Who's going to score for Huddersfield? Does he anything? Oh. Moy. How boy, Aaron oh, Moy. He looked a little slow on the weekend. He did. Uh, he wasn't as... Did you, did you notice that? Yeah, he, he's just a little bit off the pace to compare to. But... He, he's never been a player that looked extremely quick or quick in normally on the ball. I found that he got caught out a bit more this week um, than other weeks. You know, when he played against Newcastle, he looks so much more at home. And I don't know whether that's the pace of two championship sides going at each other, but it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how he goes from now. He's had that great start with Huddersfield. He's, he's, he's ridden the wave with them. Let's just see. I'd like to see him a bit more quick on the ball. Um, the one thing I did notice, a lot of his attempted passes were cut off because of that slow motion. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he works on that and, and, and he's a bit quick on the ball and decision-making is a bit quicker because it's 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 a quick game in the Premier League and he's going to get caught out, I think. And um, he's, part, like, he's a good pass with the ball, obviously, but it's, it's getting those passes through in time. Yeah, and it's, it's when you have a clean slate in the Premier League and nobody can kind of... Nobody, Judge what you've been on. Yeah, yeah, so nobody like has any like expectations over you, so you can whip through these balls and it look really great and maybe teams are starting to go, okay... He's somebody we're going to be wary of. Yeah, well, when you think of Huddersfield, you think of him as the as the great well, the chance creator. Really. Well, we do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll move on to Liverpool Burnley. Are you worried in any way this week? I think Burnley are a tough team to kind of they're... tough team in the first right now. Statistically, we haven't had a great time against them. Um, I think you know, obviously Mane not playing this week is probably going to affect us, depending on how they go at the the tribunal, whatever they call it. Um, over in England, uh, I think he won't. He, I don't think he'll play. I think hopefully Coutinho can play in that role. If not, um, you know, Klopp uh, is going to have to find, uh, you know, change up a little bit. To be honest, I think even Ox could start out there, but obviously he doesn't want to play as a wider role. I still think we might get the result though. As a as a diehard Liverpool supporter, I've got a backward team, and I'm going to say two one. I think Chris Wood will actually score again. I'm a, I'm gonna go with a one-one draw this one. I think Burnley just the fact that they've taken points off Chelsea, they've taken points off Spurs, that and both of them being away from home, they yeah. just seem to be. They, yeah, no, I can, see, I, I can see why Liverpool probably might be the team who can break that. I don't think they're gonna be able to do this every week, every all year. But I, I'm just going on their current form. I think Burnley are you know they're a team that scares me. Yeah. It does scare me because you should get the result, but I don't feel confident. Exactly. We'll move on to Newcastle versus Stoke. Playing at St. James Park, I think this is a big um, big you know, benefit for Newcastle. This is actually going to be, I think, a quite a tight game. Yeah, well, you know, you probably say both teams have come off, you know, decent form. Newcastle, a couple of wins. Stoke have got a point out of United, the first team to do so this year. Um, you know, they've got their, their striker, Chepo Moteng, who's in a bit of form. 
And the the only thing for me is I don't see the goals. I never see the goals coming out of Newcastle. They've proved me wrong the last couple of weeks. Um, I think it's probably going to be a one 0 victory to Stoke. I'm going to go with a. Uh, I'm going to go with a <laughs> two all draw here. I think. Yeah, I've always got to go with one kind of big. Uh, few big out there kind scored. of result. Yeah. Yeah, but um. I just think that, you know, both defences aren't that crash hot. I think Newcastle is very vulnerable, and I think Stoke away from home. And, you know, with, uh, with a bit of confidence behind Newcastle, they might be a bit tough to beat, you know, by, uh, by four Stoke. But we'll move on to Watford versus... Who the hell is that on my bloody screen? Uh, that is City. <laughs> just reading Mickey's writing is absolutely a task in itself. Watford versus City. What a good game this is going to be, I, I think. It. This is actually probably my favourite. This is my most exciting game of the week besides Spurs, of course. Chelsea Arsenal? Nah, fuck that. Yeah, I, I, I'm really excited for this one. I think this is... Who do you hate more, Chelsea and Arsenal, just quietly? Um, uh, Arsenal. Arsenal until I play Chelsea. I hate Arsenal all through the year. Once we verse Chelsea, I'm like, I hate Chelsea so much more than Arsenal. Something about them because Chelsea hates they, Spurs because they, they beat you all the did time. You hear, did you hear the chance? Yeah, that's well. Um, did you hear the chance that they were making um, at Murata on the weekend? Yeah, it is a bit. Um, it is a bit out there, and it is against you know. I don't know how you feel as a Tottenham supporter. You know, if I was a Tottenham supporter, I wouldn't really read too much into it. It was so bad as so. Um, it was you know abuse against you know a yid. Is known as the Tottenham supporter. Um, a Jew, yeah, Tottenham supporter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, yeah. I, I but I didn't um, it, it even led it. to Murata himself, you know, saying that maybe they're not the choice of words. He does appreciate support, but that's, that's not the one he wants. You know, it hopefully, is. hopefully they stop. It's probably not the right thing to say in 2017. But um, for me personally, well, but I'm not a Jew as well, so I, I can't really. Yeah, I, I have no problem with this. I'm not a Jew either. <laughs> like if you if you're not really paying attention to it, is it really affecting you? Probably not. Nah, exactly. I'm gonna go. With, but for this game, at least for Watford City, um, I'm gonna go with a shock result here. I'm gonna because I like just going for shock results. I'm gonna go with a two. One <laughs> victory for Watford. That's big. Uh, I guess Claudio Bravo will probably play in goal this week, so it's probably well, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> no. um, I think City will win this one, and I think unfortunately they'll they'll have it over Watford. I think they'll be gallant in the effort, but uh, one nil. I think Javier Azus will score, and that will put City into a good stead for the week after. Uh, we're gonna go with the uh, the battle of the West West Brom versus West Ham. Um, big game in the context of it all. You know, playing at playing at Brom. You know, it's gonna be a big bit of advantage. At the Hawthorns, it's going to be maybe the difference between the two. Uh, I think it's more West Brom have something to prove after that team after last week losing. I think West Ham was sketchy at best, and I think they've really uh, they haven't fooled me. Mm, you know, yeah. in saying that, they'll probably come out and win four 0 um, But I don't think they will. They'll lose two one to West Brom. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking pretty similar. I think that um I think this might be a stock West Brom victory. I think it's going to be a one nil victory. I, you know, this is kind of what they do. They really um. They like kind of uh, putting men behind the ball after putting one in the back of the net. And I think they're going to do this again. And they're going to continue to do this until somebody works them out and, and puts four or five past them. And then they might have to reassess their strategy. Yep. Tottenham, Swansea, Wembley is the only factor that really plays into this. Is it going to be a factor this week? Do you think it's a factor? I, I think, think it does. Yeah, I think it does. But I, 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 don't, I can't see it happening again. But, yeah, you know, I'm like, surely when is it going to end? If it happens this week, I'll be absolutely, mm, yeah. But it, it creates an unnecessary, um, you know, unrest 
for the Tottenham supporters, which I'm glad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Abraham will score for Swansea, though. Um, I think it'll be 2-1. I think Ari Kane will be back as well. And I think your boy Christian Eriksen will score again. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Chelsea, oh, I didn't even say my score. 3-0 Spurs, of course. Um, <laughs> Not fair enough. Uh, yeah, two, to, two to Kane and one to uh, Hugo. Hugo's going to come on and take a penalty. Uh, Chelsea versus Arsenal. Probably the, the bookies game of the week. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely the bookies game of the week. This is... Uh, yeah, this is going to be big. This is London, London Derby kind of thing. Um, I think Arsenal are real troubled of um, being a tournament party. Do you, do. do you think that Arsenal you know, beating Chelsea in the, the FA Cup final? Do you think that has any kind of does no, that play into no, it, or do you think none whatsoever? Like, you know, you look at that was back when Sanchez still cared. Um, <laughs> that that seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, Chelsea have I think they've sorted themselves out again, haven't they? Like they've they found themselves in a, in the same position they did the year before in real trouble at the start of the year, and then you know it all clicked for them. That you know, um, Kante's he he clicked a few things on his clipboard, and they they just fell into line and they started playing some really good football, and and they're getting results now. They they you know besides that first day how um. Absolutely thumping by Burnley, they've just turned it around again, and and it just proves it how um, flexible Conte is as a coach. Um, I think they'll get the result. I think it'll be two 0 I don't think it'll be Ooh, as I've bad got, as I thought. I had the exact same uh, result written down. Murata scores. Uh yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with two 0 because we're gonna have one copy throughout. Um, oh, yeah, Murata will score. Yeah, why not? And um, I don't know who else will score. Kante. Another, another 3K. Hopefully Murata scores off the ground. Another, yeah, another 3K an hour uh, goal for Kante. From, from 40 yards. From 40 yards. And the last game... It almost, like, it almost stopped. <laughs> the last game and the end of the absolute horror start to the season that Everton are facing. United Everton at Old Trafford. Uh, do we welcome help? back Rooney. Do we? Yeah, welcome back Rooney. This is actually, yeah. Do you think that he could score? Do you think there's any chance for Everton? Or I think they're going to draw again. Ooh, well, okay. I don't think United are going to win. Oh... Oh, yeah. defense on. was pretty bad on the weekend. Go on, one all, one all. Yep, I'm gonna go with a United victory. I'm gonna go three one with with Rooney scoring the one. I think I'm gonna regret that decision going draw, but I've got a bit of faith in Everton, which you don't have anymore for some reason. And I do, I, I do have faith in Everton. I just fickle, think that this week, yeah, I'm, I'm fickle as fuck. <laughs> I think that this week, you know, United away is very difficult. Stuff for anybody, yeah, for so anybody, yeah. yeah, and for Everton coming off all these tough games, yeah. We'll, what we'll do is, but we'll move on to our last uh, segment, our three takeaways from the week. Uh, Mickey, should I let you take this one first up? Yeah, I'll go first because I'm most important, like women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, so hang on, that is so bad. Wait, hang on, I'm just trying to think if that. <laughs> I could have used so much better analogies, but yeah, that's alright, man. Uh, anyway, um, Southampton, the next Palace, I think. Um, it could possibly happen, Ooh. you know, Palace, uh, you know, they've been the talk of the town, but they've made the decision now, the manager's gone, the, the, hot, the spotlight has to be at someone else now, and I think Southampton are really falling into that hole, I think West Ham are a chance for it as well, but I think um, they've been, you know, the dark horse in this situation where they've gotten away with a lot of results that weren't good, and I think the weekend has probably shined a little bit more light on them, Um Still, they're still pretty. You know, they're not much talk at the moment, but they could find themselves in, in a bit of trouble. Uh, Mauricio Pellegrino always getting mixed with uh, what's the other one name? Pellegrini. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, if they don't go out, start getting the results, through, and it starts on the weekend. If they, if this result, if they lose on the weekend, 
it will just be be on them. Um, I think this one's probably a pretty important one. Um, going back to the Mane red card this week. Um, with the red card, he receives a three-match ban. Now, I think this decision in general should be put under review just for the sheer case that um, I don't think anyone on this planet would say Mane's tackle was um, malice or any kind of any kind of um, intent on hurting the player at all. Just for a quick one, I think he got the same amount of weeks as Britos, who tried to break someone's leg. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you look at those two tackles as um, and you throw in, you know, intentional and all that kind of stuff, these guys should not be getting anywhere near the same amount of weeks as each other. Um, I think in the, so in that case, I think that really needs to be reviewed. I think as much as it was a red card, it was, um, you know, everyone in the in their right mind would think that, you know, there was no, you know, there was no intent to hurt a player, and that that is the main difference between um, getting a three week suspension and possibly just a one. I think was is fair. Okay. I don't know. About, do you agree with that? Yeah, this is um, this is a tough one because I think a lot of in sport in general, a lot of it has to do with what happens to the opposing player. In you know, in our sport, in AFL, if you tackle somebody and they get a concussion, regardless if it's a fair tackle or not, it can be completely fair, and you're going to get weeks for it. You're gonna... Yeah, and that's incredibly harsh as well. And it's it? something that you know, in in soccer as well, everybody you want to protect the player. You don't want anybody getting hurt, and you don't want anybody knowing that you can throw a flying boot in somebody's face and, and get away. With it. And get away. Yeah, exactly. So I can understand where they're coming from. I you know, it's an, obviously it's an automatic you know the whole three game ban thing. I, I would overturn it. I would definitely make it at least a two. Pro, I, two. I, would, I would make it a one, but yeah. I, I, I'm trying to look through their lens and I, I, I'd at least bring it back to a two, hopefully bring it back to a one. Yeah. But I think that, um, yeah, it's an interesting one because it'll be, if they do challenge it or if they can and all that, and it'd be interesting to see what they can say out of it yep. and you know what their reasoning would be for whatever they try and do. Uh, yep. Do you have any more? Uh, yeah, well, the, the last and final one, I think this week proved that Man United are mortal. They're going to maybe lose a game this year. Um, you know, they, Stoke played pretty well on the weekend and they, they could have easily won the game. Um, I think Butland played well. As, we, we forgot to mention how good Butland was as well. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, you know, he, he saved a couple of um, almost certain goals for United as well. So... It did show that, you know, signs that United can be scored against for one and they could possibly lose a few games this year. So, you know, it's, it's given teams hope, this result. I think. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I'll, I'll run you through my three takeaways. Uh, first one is the curse of Hurricane is over. Um, this is hopefully this could. But it's real. This can, yeah, the curse of Hurricane, the August curse at least is yeah. real. Hopefully this can transfer over to the Wembley curse being uh, lifted this week. Um, but, no. you know, the fact that it's just ridiculous how Kane can go from. Not Literally, yeah, like score, hitting the post more than multiple times, uh, having chance after chance, like the half chances that do he would do usually put he's away. part of the Illuminati? Oh, this, he's part <laughs> of something. Like, you should not score it in August and he shall die. It's just very odd, isn't it? And like, as soon as it takes over to But September, you will be the best rocker ever. <laughs> as soon as it takes over to September, he just turns it on. And yep. You know, now accidentally even. I'd love to see how his um golden boot uh, odds have come in because I'm assuming they have. You know, it's funny how it all. You know, one game can change it all, and yep. Harry Kane's somebody who will be up there again. I'd expect, as he always is. Um, but my second one is that I reckon Pep Guardiola has done a bit of a 
a bit of borrowing from uh, Mourinho's kind of tactic of bringing on basically a super sub on the same similar kind of time frame. But this is a smart option considering Martial Sane are kind of in the similar kind of realm of how yep. they play. Um, that could be the... that you know Those the grand, kind of players in general? It, it could be the reason, yeah. It could be the reason why one um, play, team wins the title or not. Because those two teams, in the grand scheme of things, have the best squads. I think yes. we can all agree on that. Yep. If those two are fighting it out, it could be who can do the most damage off the bench and who can save those points or get those extra two points in those clutch situations. Do you, do you believe there's any squads that can challenge them too? In the Premier like, League? Would you, would you, like, obviously they're not as good, but would you, would you say a Chelsea or an Arsenal squad even even come close to those two as I, a squad? I think a, as in the entire squad. Yeah, and uh, as the resources on the bench and kind of that kind of stuff. Chelsea, no, because they have fucking... None. Yeah, 16 players in their whole fucking squad. Um, and Arsenal, no, because Arsenal have too many pretenders in their fucking team. Yep. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think on paper, no. On paper, no. But, you know, that's games I want on paper, thankfully. Yep. Otherwise, those two would have, you know, those two teams would have already won the title. Spurs, Liverpool. I don't think. I just don't think. Either. I don't think the depth. No depth is there. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the depth's quite. The there. starting eleven's probably as good as each other's, but no. Nah. No, nah, exactly. And they don't have the star power. I think that um that those two teams do have. And but my last one is that uh, I think that the whole Frank the Boar sacking basically puts everybody else on notice. It means that you know a lot of managers who aren't doing very well would be looking at this going, okay, this can happen. This is only four yeah, games into the very season. Very much so. I think it, it shows that you know. Don't just expect because it's the start of the season that you're safe. Exactly. And I think that, um, you know, with Billage, um, you know, with a lot of teams actually with coming through now, like there could be m- multiple sackings before Christmas comes around. Yep. And there's right now, there's a few looking in that kind of area and it's not a very good way to go. What I will do, but Mickey, um, I want to bring this up to you. Yeah, this week we had 28 goals scored in the Premier League, right? Yep. I, I, there was a lot of goals. There were like, you know, it seemed, especially, you know, the first day, it was absolutely goals galore, thanks to uh, City putting five past Liverpool, if you didn't know. Um, I, do you I, know, I knew that. Do, well. you know, <laughs> do you know the record of uh, which uh, weeks had the most goals and how many goals? Uh, I'm going to go 34. 34? Yep. 43. 43. What it was in like 2011. I think it was around February. There was a 4-4 draw between... Arsenal and Newcastle. Oh, I, I thought, oh, that's when Czech Tiotes got yes. that last minute winner. Exactly. I thought you were yep. going to say Arsenal and Liverpool when um, Andre Arshavin scored like four. No, no, well, yeah, I wonder how many was in that one too. But yeah, 43 goals in a week, averaging four, 4.3 goals a game, which is huge. That isn't is it? massive, isn't it? It's something that, yeah, I thought that because I was thinking that this week there was shitloads of goals, like until probably the later game started and then it kind of tapered off a little bit. Yep. But when you had, you had a 5 0, 3 0, 3 1, you know, and a 3 0. And it was just kind of like okay, and, the, like, and and every game scored at least well, there was, there was one one nil, but the rest of them scored at least two. Yeah, and oh, it's two one nil. Sorry, and then the rest scored two plus. So, um, yeah, I know what you're saying. Do you uh, do you think there might be a, a, a week this year that could get to close to forty three? No, the defense is a lot better now, and the team's a lot more even. Um, even so, going back as sober far as 2011, you know, t- like I, I've never seen Liverpool pump teams four nil on a on a, <laughs> on a regular basis from the bottom four. Um, what I will say, Nick, is is I'll raise this last question to you, Sam Allardyce. Um, yes, we did mention before that he did get the call from Crystal Palace. This is just touching on what you said about, um, you know, putting all the managers on notice. Well, do you think that Big Sam would probably, you know? Shot, put himself in the shot window, knowing that you're probably going to like. I'd say I'd agree with what you said that multiple managers will be sacked before Christmas. Would he be in the shot window and 
as the year goes on, his price will just rise. And maybe he, if he come into a palace job right now, that he could probably think that if he got if he come into a job at Christmas, his wages or his bonuses for keeping the team up will be significantly higher. Uh, yeah, I agree, and I think that you know the higher demand that you have, the uh, the more money you're going to be making. I know it is, you know, there is a lot of financial gain to make for managers. A lot of people think that there isn't, like you know, if they don't think of it that way. Yep. But people want to make money. <laughs> yeah, exactly the, right. At the end of the day, this is something that um, you know, is universal throughout football. I think that something about Sam is that yeah, you know, if it got to Christmas and just say some of the teams that are struggling now are continuing to struggle. If he has three teams knocking on his door, that means he gets every- a handpick really. Yeah, him. and everybody's going to be trying to buff up his price to try and get him. And also, if he comes in that January period, don't forget he has a transfer window to buy the players he wants. That's exactly, and that's the thing that um, you know, I, I've heard that he wanted to come in around February, which I think might be him trying to bait some teams and kind yeah. of be like, no, we're going to bring him in. The- if he says around February, to be honest, he's not going to come in a month after the transfer window when he can come in four weeks before yeah. and then, yeah, buy players that he wants. Exactly. And I think that, um, yeah, I've, I'm excited to see who he goes to because I feel like it's not if he goes. I think it's just who he goes when, to now. Yeah. And if you had to make a prediction just quickly before we go, who are we going for? Um, you put me on the spot here a bit. Um, you know, if Rafa Benitez leaves Newcastle on bad terms because of no spending... I think he'll go there, mate, possibly. Either, but I still think that he's a chance to even go to Palace if they still struggle and they sack another manager. Uh, that's, uh, that's a big call, but I'll, I'll probably go that way. Okay. Or West Ham. You reckon, I, reckon, uh, I reckon Swansea. I reckon Swansea. Yeah, okay. I reckon Swansea might have a struggle. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Total 90 Premier League podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. My second mic, Nicky Kelly, is going to take us out. Take us out, Nicky. Well, we've already had the first manager gone this year. Um, how many weeks to the next? We'll find out. And uh, can't wait to bring you next week's results. Hopefully our second mic will be gone next week. But it's going to be the best season of the Premier League because <laughs> we're going to take you every step of the way through it. <laughs>